Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. We stay good even when anime is bad. <laughs> well, we are indeed, uh, I would say we're transitioning in this episode into uh, the new winter 2023 season, season 43 of the Glorio blog, if you will. Oh, God. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, as I was getting this, our show notes ready, I'm like, Man, this season's kind of boring. <laughs> I, I'm going to do something gutsy here. I, I'm going to go out on a whim and say this might be the worst season we have ever covered on the blog. I'm not. No, I'm not going to go that. No, I'm not, not going to go it's that not, far. It's, it's not summer no. 2022. Whoa. No, and, summer and 2022 also, is the worst season in the history of the Gloria Chain. And also, you know, I feel like overall, there's not. It's not that the shows are bad. Just everything's just kind of like. Eh. Middle, there's a lot of middle of the road average things, I guess, happening. Um, but regardless, I mean, that's also because we skipped most of the isekai, like the many, many, many isekai that we just elected I, to ignore. Fair enough. I did count ten new isekai shows this season. Oh my fucking! That's gosh. not counting the existing ones that were returning. But uh, yeah. Maybe it is pretty bad. I don't know. Anyway, we do actually have a lot to talk about in this particular episode, as we have some, uh, I think, loose ends to tie up from last season and and whatnot. But uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Let's introduce everybody. I'm Jell. I am joined by Iroh. I'm still here. I'm not dead yet. Still with us. We're joined by G. You know, I'm not particularly concerned about the current and the now uh, I think uh, if, you're, if you're so focused on 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 running away from the current, you only gain one. Uh, you have to move forward to gain two, and that's why uh, I'm looking forward to uh, spring mm-hmm. 2023. Uh, <laughs> Winter 2023 might as well not exist. We can just like yeah. just you know just I'm just, I'm just gonna close my eyes, and the next time I open them, it's gonna be spring 2023. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't believe sunrise fooled you all into. Adopting a recycled love life line as like an iconic Whoa. quote. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, we are joined by Aqua. As you call. I have to say here, summer 2022 did have season two of Made It Abyss, which was like miles better and only slightly less disturbing than most of the shows we're going to talk about today. You are you are totally correct, Aqua, but it was also the only show. <laughs> In all of summer 2022, that's that's one more than we have now. Is it was was Damn. was was I watching Call of the Night that season? Yeah, that's Call of the Night is that season. Yeah, I mean there are My some goodness. things this season that are not terrible, which we'll talk about. But not terrible. Put um, that on the back of the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, I think to play off of what G was saying, we have some uh, loose ends to talk about before we get into the new shows. Um, and we can start with the, the much delayed and, uh, rather, uh, well, it was something, the finale, the the striking, 
like a slap to the face. Yes. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yes, yeah. that may be one way of putting it. Hey, we uh, had to the... wait for the finale for a couple of weeks. This truly is the new Madoka. Yes, the season finale <laughs> of Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury, which just aired last week. Uh, and... You know, normally, you know, the show's coming back next season. It's just taking a break. Normally, I kind of just let that one slide. But I feel like we have to talk about this episode. We have to talk talk about the finale of Witch from Mercury. I I was living for the various reactions on the internet that were from people who don't watch Gundam normally. (laughs) And got roped in, let's say. And were all suddenly reminded... This is a Gundam show. Yes. You fools. What I found especially funny is that you have like had like your memes lined up from when the moment happened oh, yeah. when we were watching <laughs> yeah, <I> it. Mean, <laughs> like <laughs> Like it's it's astounding yeah. how fast the shit posters were ready to go the moment that episode mm. aired. Like I was seeing I was seeing slap memes for Witch from Mercury like within hours of its Japanese <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Gundam uh, well, is known for having iconic slaps. Uh, true, <laughs> indeed, needless, it's true. Yeah, so you know, needless to say, the the I get probably you probably say the past two episodes, but in particular this episode is bringing us into a Gundam show, right? It's like mm-hmm. they've serious time. They've yeah. they've hooked everybody with the the lesbians and the school hijinks, <laughs> and now uh-huh. it's like. Now, now we're ready for war, and it, I think it's it's great. Um, and guess that's, what? Turns out people actually care like about dark and shocking twists when they care about the characters. Funny yeah, that it works. Happens. It, like, it works really well. Like mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're on edge because you've come to care about these characters, and you don't. And now they're in danger, and it's like, you know. It makes it that much more effective. Um, yeah. As far as the content of the episode itself, I mean, there's a lot going on. Uh, right. I mean, it was a jam-packed, yes, pretty these, cool these are... robot fights. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of cool robots. Lots of plot bombs getting dropped. Lots of characters crossing uh, metaphorical lines here. <laughs> lots of attractive yeah. women doing morally unjustifiable things. Oh, oh no. yeah, yeah. Lots. I mean, you know, look, you know, bef- Tomino was giving us problematic waifus long before people could even like come up with a term for it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. yeah, I think like what's really really fun about episodes eleven and twelve of The Witch from Mercury is like. The very sudden but very natural sense of escalation in the stakes that we see in these episodes that feel like they don't feel like it's it, like a lot of the stuff about these two episodes are blindsiding. But mm-hmm. I would say the general tenor of these two episodes is not because of the surprisingly decent job they've done with their relatively like compact like story. Right to get mm-hmm. us to this point, like like initially, it it feels like like a kind of like almost cop out that Shadik has gone from like oh let's just duel over the aerial to I'm just straight up gonna fund terrorists and have people killed. But then you realize that the whole dueling system was just like the thinnest veneer of mm-hmm. fact that kept these completely yes. like right. and these and completely once, once, yeah. heartless, callous people. 
these capitalists from using yeah. the most <laughs> underhanded methods possibly to and achieve think, their goals, right? Right, and I think that's the really fun thing about, like, you know, a lot of people, you know, pe people have their feelings about Luke Solita, about Solita as a protagonist one way or another, but the thing I will say about how I appreciate how she has been deployed in this story is that the duels always existed to sort of be a, like, a glorified staging grounds for, like, the succession of the Benerit group. Mm -hmm. And as a result, there is sort of that, like, nobleman's, like, gentleman's agreement of, like, oh, well, Guel's the holder now, but, like, you know, I'm, you know, Shadik and Alan are probably both thinking to themselves, yeah, but, like, I can take it back whenever I want, right? right? right. Like, there's, right. This, there's this idea that, like, oh, this is all just pageantry and, right. like... We have all agreed to play the game because for now right. playing the game is convenient. And right, right now they are all realizing that they no longer need to play the game to achieve well, their goals. Do kind of like with elections. Right. I mean, yeah. the thing is, like, it's, 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 like, yeah. it's not even just like they don't all, no longer need to play the game. It's that they can't play the game anymore. Suleta's too strong. Right. Right. Suleta is literally too good at playing right. this game. So and it forces their hand, right? Yeah. Right. Like, Shadik's turn towards funding false flag terrorism makes a lot of sense after his loss because his loss makes him realize, oh, I can't beat her in a straight fight. I, right. I, no, not even a straight fight. I can't even beat her in a five on one. Like, I can't even when I've, when I've stacked the odds in my favor, when I'm cheating, I still can't win the game. This is so a metaphor for how they how they split up sports for the for uh, two genders because uh, right. it turns out that when woman, women compete against men, the women win and the men can't stand. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, it's just, well, the, the table, you know, I'm just going to overturn the whole table, right? Like, fuck mm -hmm. the game and fuck the pretense mm -hmm. of it. And that is, and that escalation is what leads to the extremely bloody results of what happens at Plant Quetta, right? It's well, like that, and also happens. Lady Prospera's machinations, right? Right, right. Speaking yes, of another I, thing that, that, like, because we're talking on this team now, of another thing that sort of feels like it comes out of nowhere, like it is a, a real sudden escalation, but when you think back of it, also kind of makes sense, like how. Soleta can, with like a couple of words from her mom, suddenly turn into someone who's like totally okay with killing people if it, you know, advances her personal goals or, or strengthens her personal resolve, right? Right. Right. I, I very, mean, very good, like uh, mirroring the first episode where yes. she just obliterates Guel in that yeah. thing. And it's like, in theory, she she's new to the school, like, she could have done that to a, per a mobile suit that wasn't like you know. Mm -hmm. She could have done that lethally, uh, right? I mean, I think I think that is sort of the implication. Yes, like, that it is, the it is definitely implication on purpose, yeah. of episode one. Now, is, is we are all hooting and hollering when she you know chops up Guel's you know mobile suit like it's fucking meat, and then you realize oh that's the non-lethal version of what she could have done. <laughs> like this entire time, right? Is like she yeah. always had the capacity for it. It's right. just that. The, the, it's just that the context was uh, like non-lethal, and uh, yes. you know it's just fun school time duels, right? So I think, like academically speaking, as in if I look at this as like an example of how to write something, 
I probably would have made Lady Prospera's manipulation a little bit more obvious in earlier episodes, but I think in terms of delivering the maximum emotional impact while also still having it make sense, what they did here was the best possible way to do yeah, it. Yeah, I but, mean, mm-hmm. the, the thing I, I've heard from... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Jim. so just to that point, like, I, I do think the because they had my my and this is kind of a minor issue i don't think they went too far but it was kind of borderline for me with the whole bit with suleta kind of flipping over to being able to kill people now because they did have the scene right before it with uh her mom shooting the guards or mm-hmm. whatever right right and Suleta's lo- like losing it and she's very upset by this and it it is like and it's not just me because a lot of people were theorizing, well, she switched <laughs> yeah. so fast. Maybe she's like literally right. like Code there was some kind of like, like, like yeah. you know, that like that mm. phrase, like she's brainwashed or something. And like that phrase right, like, set like, her off or something is, um, is, is moving forward. You gain to the would you kindly of which. <laughs> right, right. Or yeah. Like the thing is, I think they generally delivered well, but like the, the whole like the classic yandere like ecstatic smile and empty eyes thing was a bit over the top yeah it was it was it was a little so it was borderline it was a little borderline for me so the thing i I will say the thing i will say about all this stuff like i think you guys have some like valid takes on like the speed at which some of this stuff happens Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think the reason why it works as a season finale is like here's the thing okochi is known (laughs) to be a disciple of tomino's style of writing and I think in a lot of ways, I think a lot of credit also needs to be given to the directing of yeah. the, mm-hmm. this last episode of Witch for Mercury, in which, okay, so we've talked before about like the mismatch between director and writer before, right? Of, oh, yeah. like, you know, I, I think the, back, uh, the, arrow. back Arrow is the most prominent example we have of, oh, this God. is Nakashima, the guy who wrote Gurren Lagan being paired up with Goro Tanaguchi of like Code Geass fame. And like, the directing and the writing didn't really line up, right? Like, like mm-hmm. the his directing style couldn't keep up with like Nakashima's like utterly like manic, uh, right? Gortuchi, is way better at, like deadpan comedy, right? Rather than slapstick comedy. Here's yeah. a case where I think the directing is perfectly in sync mm-hmm. with the writing. The directing <laughs> of this last episode is like maybe some of the most unsubtle like directing <laughs> I have seen since Birdie Wing itself, right? Like, you know, the, the splatter of blood separating yes. uh, Suleta from Lady Prospera, you know, the, the blood mm-hmm. floating from her hands at the end of the episode. Or, or like when, uh, when she's like walking into the blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. just with, steps onto the it's blood. It's like very it's not over, subtle imagery, it's right? Un, no, and yeah. I think some could argue, well, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a bad thing, right? Maybe it's a little too on the nose. But I think for the type of specific melodrama that Gundam has always gone for in mm-hmm. its aims mm-hmm. to achieve its specific type of anti-war storytelling, I think it really works here. Right, like, it's in that regard. Impactful. It's Yeah, like Soleta's, Soleta's innocence had to be maintained or at least the image thereof right right like so to have it like tarnished quote unquote in mm-hmm, such a mm-hmm. like dramatic and traumatizing way it That's i mean the... it's the thing that a season finale should do right because you're right that like a maybe a more subtle maybe a more like 
a, a gradual ch- shift or, or approach to storytelling would be would feel more natural. Mm-hmm, but I don't right. think it would hit us as hard as the last episode before a three month break. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes sometimes it is okay to go for shock value, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> uh-huh. deployed know, appropriately, it can yes. be very effective in the yes. right circumstances. And um, we we haven't even talked about like a Guell. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing with Guell and his and oh, his man. dad, which felt like the most old Gundam thing yes. in that entire episode to me. I mean, this felt yes. like a this felt like a freaking Greek tragedy, like. And right. this that's is some thing. this is some Oedipus Rex shit. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. and <laughs> and the, that's the lovely thing is like that's what that, that, when Eero says that like that reminds him of old Gundam. That's kind of what old Gundam was. It was mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. melodramatic, right? Like you know, me and Eero are cackling because we know what's about to happen to him. <laughs> yeah, because like they, they they have set up all of the. We have seen these blocks before. Like, like Euro and I were like, oh, I see where this is. Oh, uh-huh. cool. Dad's going to get a mobile suit, huh? You've identified uh-huh. the pattern. Yeah. You know? And, mm-hmm. and even, even when you know it's coming, it still works because they sell the anguish of these characters. Like, it's, it's like if you had told me around episode one that Ghoul would go on to become probably my second or third favorite character in the G-Witch <laughs> cast, I don't know if I could have believed you. Like, <laughs> right. But yeah. they they really sell the melodrama of it. And and even like the less like over the top stuff, right? Like, like Nika, right? Like Nika's cover mm-hmm. being blown mm-hmm. this episode. You know, I mean, it's only Martin who has seen her, but obviously that is going to be, uh, yes, a point of contention. Yeah, 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 right. Like, because obviously the question is like, what will Nika do to silence Martin? Right? Like, <laughs> right. like, will, will will it be bribery or seduction <laughs> or will it be something more dramatic, like a bullet to the head? <laughs> right. Like, we don't know. Yeah, because... it was only it was only like the two of them that we last saw them, right? Like, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. And that is the wonderful thing about what G-Witch has done is that with these last couple of episodes, they have established where the stakes can go. Like, ev- anybody's fair game mm-hmm. at this point. <laughs> well, and, and not just that. <clears throat> like, they've shown that they can escalate the stakes, turn this from a relatively low-key, like, uh, high school melodrama, but with giant robots, into, like, a, a political conflict without going all in on the exposition. And that's yeah very mm-hmm. well done, because you can tell that this is a world that they have thought about extensively, but they only reveal what needs to be revealed for the story totally. to work. Yeah. Like there's a whole underlying conflict between Earthians and Spatians and yeah. the different corporations working there and, and <clears throat> like terrorist activity, guerrilla warfare, but it only it it all exists, but it's only mentioned when it serves the story, as opposed to, you know, endless right. expo dumps that usually accompany a show trying to change its identity like this. Right. And that's I mean, that's probably the benefit of this being a longer show, right? Because yeah. imagine this being like a standard twelve episode show. <laughs> oh, I where, cannot imagine a twelve no, episode right, Gundam. Yeah. That's unthinkable. Right, like where this where this where this twist probably would have happened around like episode five, six, Oof, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you could just imagine those first five episodes just being insufferable exposition dumps. Yeah, totally. right. You know, you'd have, you'd have like, the chance the, to work on these characters to make yeah. these twists more effective. 
you'd have like the narrator coming in being like in the year (laughs) you know whatever you know we don't Mm -hmm. need any of that no 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 the the, it's the next show on the list that we need to talk about the narrator but uh (laughs) oh my god uh, no no to your point aqua like there's there's something i really like yeah like the thing i kind of really love about like the whole earthian terrorist attack on planet quetta is like it almost feels like the show finally trusts that you've watched enough of this story to understand that no we don't need like the big terrorist leader to like announce over the intercom Mm -hmm his goals, right, or mm. ideology. E- even the Witches for Mercury mostly just kind of come off as, like, you know... St- well, one oh, comes off as a soldier... Mar- the Witches from Earth, not from Earth. Mercury, Earth, right? Earth, my yeah. bad. The Witches from Earth, right? I mean, one comes off as just a soldier doing her job, the other comes off as an unhinged sadist, but, you know, we could get into that. <laughs> but, like, even in, in those interactions, right, like, there's that great moment, like, where, like, I feel like they're even telling a lot of story through the fights, where um, the Earthian... Um, Mobile suits are firing uh, solid ammunition. Yeah. Right, you right. the one line where the guy's like, "Oh, right. you can't use bullets, you damn right. right. You're polluting." Yeah, polluting and then space. like, yeah, uh-huh. and then that the the more like uh, the more collected uh, uh, uh-huh. Earth Witch is mm-hmm. just like, I mean, she basically calls them hypocrites, right? Like you're the ones who polluted and left Earth in right. the state it's in, right? And the and thing, I, and I the thing feel... is, like, you know, they banned live ammunition but made lasers legal because live ammunition is what the Earthians use, right? Also that, Whereas yes, lasers like is what the Spatians use. Yeah, like and they don't have to explain that. There's a lot of wonderful subtext just, there. Yeah. yeah. They probably just don't just... have the, like, physical materials to make bullets in space. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> right? Like, well, well, they're making a lot to their advantage under right, the pretense yeah. of... Right. Yeah, so I'm mean, saying, I'm, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying, like... Yeah. yeah. But, like, that one little throwaway line... Right, where like mm-hmm. yeah. you're you're scripting out a battle, and like all of a sudden you come up with the idea of like, hey, these people use life bullets, these people use lasers, and what does that say about the world? And right. How do the people feel about this? Like this reveals so much about how much thought was put into this setting. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 details like that that I just really really appreciate, and like. You know, like not to go full Zelda cycle of like, <laughs> let's shit on the old one, but like it is astounding how much better G Witch's like economic storytelling and pacing and world building, how much better it works than anything Iron Blooded Orphans did. A show that had twice the runtime than mm-hmm. G Witch is going to have. Like, yeah. I, I just like. Okay, so like one of the things about Iron Blooded Orphans, just to bring to bring it in comparison real quick, right, is like the introduction of its protagonist, uh, Mikazuki or Mika for short, is that yeah. he is a child soldier, right? He is literally like he is a yep. fundamentally damaged person, right? Like he has been killing people for a living since like he was a child, and so he is emotionally stunted. He is like very stoic like he doesn't really know how to interact with people other than his adoptive brother orga doesn't really emote ever <laughs> right and so like when he kills people and when he acts the way he does you're sort of meant to, the, i think the intent is you're meant to feel like off put by him right like you're meant to go oh like what's wrong with this person right like what what kind of tragic life did this person mm-hmm. live to turn out like this the problem is that's all he ever is and all he ever was in that story. He never has like that moment to sort of like elaborate on the tragedy of his upbringing. And so as he becomes increasingly robotic in his character as the story develops, it doesn't really hit 
because that's kind of all there ever is to his character. Whereas with Suleta, because we get 10 episodes of Suleta <laughs> being a regular teenager with regular teenage ass goals, like tell a funny joke and get a nickname, you know, Suleta Forgetta, never forget a Suleta Forgetta. And it's like, because you have those moments where she does act and behave like a, a genuinely like personable, maybe, you know, look, she is a little off kilter, but a lot of that can be explained by her very, uh, sheltered upbringing. Unique upbringing. Yeah. But like, she clearly has very real goals and dreams. And that's what makes her turn at the end of episode 12 so galling for us is because we know who she is, or at least we know who she was. And, now, and that's what makes yeah. who she is now so deeply yes. uncomfortable. Now she is the same person, but willing to paste a man with her bold yeah. suit. <laughs> yeah. Like without batting an eye. And it's a lot yeah. of... um. A lot of just, lines crossed that we can't go yeah. back from, too. Which is yeah. right. It's just the different difference between how yeah. Okochi and Mario Kada write characters. Like Mario Kada is known for God, writing Mario Kada, right. characters yep, in, in function was. of like conflicts or moments she has in mind, right? Whereas I'm guessing Okochi maybe is more like a kind of writer who just takes his characters in a direction. Well, I think that he likes. Feels I, I mean, he's got a very wide place? variety of works, but there's a right, lot of like, right. But I'm, I'm, I'm mostly big, trying to compare this to twists, other right. to other works of his that have like this elaborate world building, something like Princess Principle, um, where it's more like you know we put these characters in this world and we let them be affected and changed by it. Right? He likes to let his characters loose in the play, right? If that makes right. Sense. Mm-hmm. right. <clears throat> well. We're going to yeah. have to probably keep moving on, but do we want to say anything oh. uh, looking forward into the future when this comes back next season? Uh, I know I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned now that we've kind of let the, you know, open Pandora's box here. Are they going to be able to keep up? Um, that is a very good question. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> are they going to be able to keep up? The, the, the level of quality or, you know, are we just going to be, you know, yep. plot twisting? Don't call Gundam for good till it's over. Right. Yes. And, no. So that is why, yeah. like, my general take right now is that this is the most <laughs> fun and excited I have been for a Gundam in a long time. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm ready to call it good yet. <laughs> yeah, like I, I can see, I can see so many ways that this turns out great, and I can see a lot of ways it can turn bad. Yeah. And so a lot uh, of I hear, all I, Earthians. I, I'll give I, this to you. I'll give this to Okochi for free. Uh, uh, more choo choo. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. On screen more. Please have more. The choo-choo. show gets more good. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, we didn't actually see her much. Uh, this nope, not past, much. Uh, yeah. yeah, my only slight uh, disappointment about these last couple of episodes is, uh, I mean, I guess they had to like you know cast the Earthians as completely helpless in the situation to set up Nika having to like mm-hmm. blow her cover, but right. also. Look, they brought the cows and sheep with them to plant Quetta. Why couldn't they have brought Choo Choo's mech with us? The, pro- the problem with Choo Choo is that she's a pilot, so she has her own mech, so she has to be promoted as an important character because she has a kit to sell. But yeah. she's in, in the in the story itself, he's just like a almost a comic relief character. <laughs> like yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's not true. bad or anything. But just, it just, no, it's but just you're... there's a contrast between you know the choo choo we are promised and the choo choo we actually get in the story. Like, right? Yeah. Well. All right. Either way, I do agree. More choo choo would would be helpful. Indeed. So. Well, we've got that and Birdie Wing to look forward to next uh, season. Thanks, Sunrise, or (laughs) Bandai Namco Pictures, or whatever. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. What if, what if, crossover? Mm. Oh, they've pra- it's already practically crossover, <laughs> crossover right? I mean, <laughs> Play some golf. I, I, I would almost bet money that, like, someone will try to buy a G-Witch gunpla kit in yes. Birdie Wing somewhere. What if, like, like, evil Char Coach shows up and whispers in Eve's ear, like, don't forget Eve. You're not a golfer. You're someone who hits things with a stick for money. And then she beats people up with a golf stick. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, no, he'll actually drop the, uh, you know, you know. We can't, the, can't the talk about Birdie Wing anymore. <laughs> anyway, we have to move yeah, forward. No, we yeah, we got to keep, we gotta keep moving. Set, gotta move set, forward off, the, set off the Birdie Wing alarm. Move forward, gain two, move forward, gain two. Yes, yeah. exactly. Speaking Put a dollar of in the Birdie show, Wing Oh my jar. god, we have to talk okay, about this. Shows, we need, like, so we... <laughs> have not talked in depth about Jojo Part 6 Stone Ocean much because for the most part, it's not that Jojo is predictable, but Jojo is familiar. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Jolene and crew are walking around and a new like fucking weirdo psychopath shows up and we have to go, all right, what are the rules of your uh-huh. stupid game this time? Also, for the yeah, most also part, like Netflix dropped it all at once and we've been watching it one episode at a time. Yes, that too. So... That has all changed with the recent episodes. So to give a little bit of background, um, Jolene and the crew have broken out of prison, and they're chasing after Poochie, who is the main antagonist of um, of Part 6. Yes. Because, who of is, course, the story doesn't end when they break out of prison, because we have realized that the real prison is, prison is society. Is society, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, Poochie is going to... Like basically, the TLDR. He's, he's going to complete a ritual that, like, I guess Dio <clears throat> set out like years in advance. Basically, yeah. Like, and um, so Jolene is chasing <laughs> after Poochie, but keeps getting waylaid by. Um, turns out that there that uh, Dio has multiple illegitimate sons. It wasn't mm-hmm. just Giorno. Uh, uh, he, five, he yeah. sired multiple. He, he spread his seed far and wide. It turns uh-huh. out. And uh, the sons of Dio uh, have sp- congregated to yes, yes, especially in the local Florida area. <laughs> I don't know, maybe something about Florida, Florida man women just does it for, for that. Dio. Explains a lot, actually. But <laughs> yeah. Florida man is always just a, a Florida son of man Dio. is just descendant of Dio. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. All right, shit. That's really that's too good. <laughs> uh, but so okay, so so Jolene's been fighting various uh, uh, of these guys, right? And the last one they fight is a uh, versus and his stand Underworld. Mm-hmm. And Underworld's ability is that it is able to read the memories of the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. What this means is that when uh, Underworld punches dirt. Uh, it can un- it can uncover and recreate any situation that has ever happened in history as long as it occurred on terrestrial ground. Yep. Oh wow. <laughs> so this means that, like for example, uh, he traps Jolene in a in in, in, a, in an airplane crash that happened in Florida mm-hmm. because the airplane crashed into the ground. Thus, the Earth. 
has a memory of this plane crash. Oh, yeah. Okay, hang, hang on. Does it have to be something that actually happened on that specific spot, yeah. or it could be from anywhere? I think it seems to be nearby. It okay. seems to be that it has to be localized, yes. Okay, okay. Um, that, that makes it and, significantly less powerful, but yes. Well, well, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I don't not. know. It's still pretty powerful. So, like, okay, anyways, yeah. it's a... Mm-hmm. It, it's a pretty fun fight in and of itself because it turns out that the the, the key to beating such a ridiculous stand is that, well, as long as you play by the rules of how the original events that are being recreated play out, they will always play out with 100% certainty. Mm-hmm. So, for example, with the crashing plane, they find out that two people survived the plane crash. Thus, if Jolene uh, sits in that exact seat on the plane. Yeah. Uh, she will survive the plane crash. Okay, okay, uh, okay. Uh-huh. Anyways, this all culminates in Versus punching the ground in the area and finding... Um, Weather Report's memory disk. Yes. Uh, for context, Weather Report, the guy who could make it rain frogs in the first half of yeah. uh, Part 6, uh, has no memory. He has amnesia. Yes. Uh, he doesn't know why he is in prison. He doesn't know who he was beforehand. All he knows is that he has the ability to control the weather um, uh-huh. for he a the stand. meaningful interpretation of that yes. concept. And that's just because well, Father Pucci's ability, Whitesnake, can remove people's stands as discs, and it can also remove their memories as discs. And he, at some point in the past, removed Weather Report's memory and disposed of it. And now Versus has unearths to the earth's memories of weather report and like throws them back into other report. Right. And so weather report gets his memories back and becomes heavy weather. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Uh, heavy weather is weather report with both his original stand weather report and oh, oh, by the way, his name was Weather Report, and his stand is called Weather Report because of his amnesia. Uh, <laughs> and also now his memories. And this is where we find out that Heavy Weather uh, is a huge fucking asshole. Uh, just a total piece of shit, but also another illegitimate son of Dio. No, oh, no, okay. and no, that's not right. He has the star on his back. That's because he's got. That's because please. That's not because he's a son of Dio. That's because when Pucci fused with the Green Baby and got the star in his back, oh, you're right. Wonder right, twin right, powers cause weather yes, 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 so they, to gain the star. Right, right. They do establish that anything that happens to one twin occurs to the other. You're right. My apologies. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me, Eero. I might have said something inaccurate oh, no. about JoJo. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You're right. No, it is revealed. But okay. More importantly, it is revealed. He is Pucci's fraternal twin. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. That that was separated at birth. When, yes, we get a uh, whole flashback episode all about what the report at this yes. point. Yes. Okay. It turns out that a a, a Floridian woman uh, gave birth to a child who, stillborn. who was stillborn. Yeah. And in her grief, snuck into the, uh, like the maternity ward and swapped out her... Uh, uh, a deceased baby with one of a set of healthy twins okay. and took that baby and raised it on her own. That baby was Weather Report. The other twin was Poochie. Okay. And Poochie being told by his parents as he grows older that he was the survivor of the two twins is what sets him down the path of becoming a priest. 
mm-hmm. and becoming a priest is how he meets Dio Brando one day in his parish in Florida in 1970. In the deep south, yeah. In the deep south. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh, yes. Um, where Dio gives Pucci the arrow, the stand arrow, and basically says, like, one day you'll need this. Mm-hmm. Um... Life goes on, uh-huh. uh, and one day, um, uh, a girl's purse gets stolen out of the <laughs> diner, only for this robbery to be stopped by one Wes Aquamarine, <laughs> who is Weather Report, now a young adult. Oh my goodness. This young girl is instantly smitten by Wes Aquamarine's stunning good looks <laughs> and commitment to justice. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Here's the problem. This girl uh-huh. is Poochie's biological sister. Oh. And thus, uh-huh. also Weather Report's biological sister. Oh, no. They begin dating. Uh-huh. And, and uh, uh, Poochie, uh, in his you know, religious uh, schooling, he takes a confessional from a woman, and this woman confesses that you know many years ago she swapped her dead child with you know a living child and she still knows who the people are and confesses to her whole crime and poochie realizes that uh and he does some investigating and he realizes that uh wes is is his brother and uh mm-hmm. he they can't can't date a sister. That's a no no. Man, I love old boy. <laughs> Christ. So how Poochie okay. decides to solve this mm-hmm. is to hire uh you private know here's the thing I'm gonna say. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, he decides to hire a private investigator. Let me say this. The thing I really appreciate about this private investigator is that we haven't had like this specific brand of like evil jojo person yeah, hasn't since been a while, like yeah. literally part like part two or something like a person who looks specifically like this where it is once again iraqi's like just this like <laughs> fat like bearded like disgusting human being right yeah yeah and uh, Pucci decides that this private investigator seems like he's on the up and up and so he pays the investigator to basically just break them up Break them up. Yeah, just Poochie's like, yeah, just dig up some dirt on him and get them to break up. Like, I don't want, like, you know, look, I'm, at, at the time, Poochie's like, I don't want to, like, kill this dude or anything. I just don't want him dating my sister. You know, I don't want my sister to get hurt or traumatized by this. You know, she'll suffer the the anguish of heartbreak. A normal heartbreak like, for a teen. Just, yes, just figure out a way to do this. Oh, he wants to break them up without telling them the truth. Yeah. That yes, exactly. Okay, got The it. private investigator... I'm, try, I'm trying my best digging. to follow. Yes. <laughs> I know, I know. The, the investigator does some digging and finds out... And this is where the narrator then cuts in and says... <laughs> the private investigator was to discover something that would be considered the most heinous crime imaginable in this region in the history of the United States. And... Ero and I being Americans. We're just like, no, 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 no. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're just, we're just like, oh my story God. In the late, in, in the deep south in the 70s, we go, oh no. They're not about to, oh yes, dear reader. <laughs> dear listener, we find yes. out that Wes Aquamarine is biracial, the son of a white woman and a black man. Yep. 
and the narrator is like, and so they did the, th- and so this this man in his depths did something that was yet considered legal by the United States at the time. Jesus. They lynch him. Yeah. On screen! What? On screen! On screen! They put a rope around his neck and hang him from a tree. Uh, okay. We're just losing our minds at this point. Iraqi <laughs> has no chill. <laughs> just what is, completely what is losing it. Yeah. Just. Uh, okay. Alright. Um. In her anguish over weather reports lynching, mm-hmm. uh, her girlfriend's sister... I mean, he sister, apparently, no. but well, no. getting to that? It, it, it is literally a Romeo and Juliet situation where he was hung to near death, <laughs> but he just barely survived. But his girlfriend's sister was unaware of this, and in her anguish, threw herself off a cliff. Yep. Okay. And so, Pucci now has a dead sister and a seemingly dead brother, and... This is when, in his anguish, uh-huh. the stand arrow pierces him and activates his stand. And at the same moment, because they are twins, <laughs> Weather Report's stand also manifests uh-huh. as heavy yep. weather. This incredibly dangerous stand. Bad. Heavy weather's ability, which we haven't said until now, <laughs> is slightly differs from Weather Report. Whereas Weather Report's ability is to manipulate the weather... Heavy Weather is able to manifest rainbows. And when these rainbows come into contact with any organic material, that material uh, transforms into snails. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and it's indiscriminate and it just attacks everything yes. nearby. And uh, so Poochie... Now you might yes. ask... But, gee, <laughs> what does that have to do with weather? I thought you said weather report could control the weather. <laughs> How does transforming into a snail have anything to do with weather? Yeah, I was going to well, say. Well, dear he... listener. Yeah, go ahead. The yeah. narrator explains. Yeah, right we- you see, weather, what we call weather is just us looking at patterns in the atmosphere that we've seen before and uh, interpreting oh them and coming to like future understanding, uh, predicting what might happen based on previous patterns. But you see, the ozone layer has always been there as long as we've been alive. Who knows what could happen if the whole entire ozone layer were to disappear? We would have no way of predicting what could happen. Maybe people would even turn into snails. Wait, wait what? <laughs> anyway. It's like Schrodinger's it's ozone layer? It's <laughs> What? Yeah, so that's like the the dangerous indiscriminate nature of this ability is why Pucci like removed Weather Report's memory, but kept him alive out of a certain amount of sentimentality, just locked up in prison this whole time. And Weather Report, having regained his memories, is now just he's an he's an asshole. He's mad, and he wants to get Pucci and settle the score. But also, to be fair, he has. He has completely legitimate reasons to oh, hate yeah, Pucci, absolutely. You know, considering the whole being the target of a lynching part. <laughs> right. Just, yeah. man. Was, but he is also a huge Was asshole. not prepared for the lynching thing at all when that happened. Why not? <sighs> it's, Your foot's oh coming my, right Yeah, up, like, I so. know. I was like, this is, I can't believe this is a second lynching I've seen in, in 
in like three months. <laughs> in three months. Yeah. Weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's really the like we joke about man, Iraqi's outdone himself this time. I can't believe Joe Toro was almost killed by a rat with a machine gun. But this <laughs> is actually without hyperbole, maybe actually the craziest thing Iraqi has ever done. Oh boy. It's just <sighs> it's yeah. I'm I was stunned. I don't know. I don't know where we go nah. from here. Uh, speaking of like uh the the mid uh nineteen hundreds, uh Lupin Zero. Oh, we're just gonna, are we, are we gonna just hard transition out of that? <laughs> we have to. We're yes. keep us moving. You know, huh? you say mid nineteen hundreds, Lupin Zero might legitimately take place in the same it's like in the 60s, 70s. 60s, it doesn't matter. 70s, anyway, all right. Tell, yeah. well, can you tell me what Lupin Zero, Zero is? is a? Oh, also, also, hold on. Fine. To bring it all oh together. Speaking of another show written by Ichiro oh my Okoshi. God, yes, that is Lupin Zero. Also, yeah, mm. Lupin Zero. It was. It's a six-episode miniseries uh, about Lupin the Third when he was a young boy, a young man. Uh, before he claimed and the his title of third. meeting. Uh, yes, yes. And his fateful meeting with another young uh-huh, boy. Jigen. With a cap and a pistol yep. named Daisuke Jigen. <laughs> so, yes, the, the, the gimmick of the show is, oh, it's Lupin and Jigen and their kids, and they're going to have a couple wacky adventures when they're young and are not quite friends yet, not fully established. And Jigen, at 14, just being chain smoking gun toting jigen at 14, <laughs> 14 is incredibly funny to me jigen is literally the same they did nothing to jigen's character it is literally just jigen but now he's a teenager it's, it's really great. funny uh really really funny to me and you know they do some goofy stuff you know lupin has to you know he goes to the castle of arsene lupin the first because there's competition for who can inherit the title of third you know, and he hates his shitty dad, Arsene Lupin the second, Lupin Jr. Uh, and there's some conflicts with that. Um, you know, it's generally pretty fun. There's nothing like it's super better good. than I yeah. thought it would be. It's yeah, like the the thing is that I went into this ready to kind of hate this because it's like, okay, really, we're doing the kids spin off of the long running franchise. Yeah, <laughs> like come the fuck yeah. on. But they actually do sort of justify it in some, like, surprisingly neat ways. Like, again, like, I get, you know, this is not the first time they have shown up in the Lupin franchise as a whole, but to have a story that is, like, pretty interested in the connection between Lupin III and his relationship with both his father and his grandfather. Right. Is kind of interesting. Yes. Like, it's not necessarily stuff I care about. Like, let's be real. We don't need to know Lupin's backstory, no, we don't. right? Like, Lupin's backstory doesn't actually matter. That's the whole point of part five, mm-hmm. right? But right. if you are going to explore it, it, it kind of does some interesting yeah. stuff with it. The probably crowning yeah. moment here, yes. which is, I thought was a hoot, uh, hoot and a half, yes. was the penultimate episode where, you know, the villains have, have gotten their hands on a nuke. They're going to nuke Japan again. And Lupin is trying to go after them, and Jigen is trying to stop him. You know, he's like, this is too much for you, Lupin. It's too much. We can't do this. And Lupin, you know, accepts his role as a a thief. He says, it's time for me to make my first heist as Lupin the Third. And he walks up to Jigen, and he 
places his hand on Jigen's chest. He turns away and says, did I steal it, Jigen? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, did I steal your heart oh, dice cake yeah. again? The first thing I have ever stolen is Lupin the Third. So is this fanfic hard? Uh, <laughs> dude, like, once I found out this was written by Okochi, it all pieced together. Really I was funny. like, because, like, we have all joked about, like, the whole, like, Jigen and Lupin are, like, a gay couple thing for, like, years. Like, the fan base has joked about this for years, right? Like, the fan base has joked for years that the actual reason Jigen doesn't like Fujiko Mine is because deep down, Jigen sees Fujiko as competition. <laughs> Right, and Okochi just takes that subtext and is like, "What if I, what if I just made a canon? At least in this one miniseries, just go for right. it." Like, uh, yeah, as much as Lupin can have, right? Canon, yeah, right. yeah, right. Like, but, what, yes. what if I actually just straight up just like said that like Lupin and Jigen are like soulmates? <laughs> I, it's yeah. just so like, funny. Since, yeah, it's, it's good. really good. It's it's so wild because like. The joke of G- of of Lupin stole your heart has been done yes. dozens of times in Cagliostro. Lupin. It is literally famous. the last. Yeah. It is literally the last line of Castle of Cagliostro, mm-hmm. right? Where Zedigata is like, "No, Lupin did steal something. He stole your heart." So, like, it's been done before, but <laughs> yeah, not like look that. at the camera we, and, and say, not playing into that. Canonically, the very first thing Lupin the Third ever stole was Jigen's heart. It's pretty extremely good. funny. I thought well, it was a hoot. And then the last episode happens and it's like not nearly All as right. good and actually kind of like somewhat like kind of weird, like not off putting, but like strange, like it's like strangely bitter yeah. for how the show was sort of framing itself because like basically the goal of the last episode is like Lupin wants to stop the nuke from going off, but also save this like young adult woman. Mm-hmm who has sort of taken a liking to Lupin over the course of the miniseries. Her name is Yoko. And I think she is definitely intentionally meant to sort of look like Fujiko Mine a little yeah. bit. To sort of like incept in your head, oh, this is where Lupin got his type from. Mm-hmm. But, um, right. yeah. and so she's also on the ship because turns out that she is lovers with like the terrorist, like Che Guevara type who has like stolen the nuke. And the long and short of it is like they, yeah. Lupin kills the Che Guevara guy and in her anguish Yoko also throws herself off the side of the boat to die with him. Mm. And leaving mm. Lupin alone again. And it's kind of Bitter, a, like, an angle to take for your teen Lupin story. That like Lupin's first great adventure ended up with the woman he had a crush on dying in front of his eyes. Yeah, it's, and then we, but then we kind of just cut to like Lupin and Jigen smoking on the roof of the school and being like, "Well," and laughing about their next, heist. next heist. It's supposed it's, to reflect this eternal bad luck. <laughs> it's it's really it's a really odd note to end it on. But yeah, it's more interesting than I would have given it credit for. Yep. So, yeah. well, we sure spent <laughs> when we'll spend more yeah, time maybe we, we, we talking really, about old shows. Uh, yeah, we really gotta keep moving uh, here. Uh, so, um, what's up with Pokemon? So Pokemon, uh, I'm sure everyone has seen yeah. uh, 
on the news that Ash is now the greatest trainer ever. Ash is dead. <laughs> Ash is going to uh, die. Yeah. They're going to retire gonna Ash, catch him uh, at the end of this series, and they're going. So they're going to do a like eleven episode, real entitled millennial uh-huh. gets to retire uh-huh. at ten. Yep, they're going to do a like ten or eleven episode mini thing. That's sort of victory, victory lap, lap of like yeah. to uh, put Ash out to pasture. And they did before that a <laughs> one-off special that sort of related to that. Them, but okay, it's is that... not set in any particular right. So time I'm, period I'm only... of the anime. It's just like a kind of mishmash, right. of just a like random stuff. episode. And I'm only bringing this yeah. episode up because it's it's honestly a pretty like normal episode where Ash meets a yeah. ghost kid and you know helps the ghost kid. Reconcile of his parents. Uh, Person yeah. of the week episode. Like, yeah. Also, Ash gets a phone call from his mom on video right. phone, and mom, you know, mom's like, "Hey, you're, you're gonna be in this town, right? I'm gonna be in that town tomorrow because your dad's there. Your dad's gonna be there. We're gonna meet." Oh. And we immediately had the most like nauseated oh. reaction. What? <laughs> Yeah, so she's bringing she's bringing Mr. No, Rhyme no. with her no, again. Mr. Rhyme's the brother. Come on. Um. <laughs> anyway, so like okay. they do, and then they do the character of the week stuff, and of course Ash has a lot. You know, saved the kid's hat from the manky. Had to give his hat to the manky. Comes in there hatless, and mom's like, "Oh, your dad left already. He, he said it was an emergency. He had to really had to go. But he left. But he left oh. you this as a present, and it's the original hat." Right, the OG hat, okay, and then sure. Ash. But that makes yeah. no sense. No, of course it makes no sense. The special Ash well, already has yeah, Pikachu. Well, you see, in the like newer continuity of the movies, you know his hat right. looks similar to the old hat, but it's a redesign, and that's the hat he was wearing. And so here he gets the actual original hat. And I was more just dumbfounded that they mention his father acknowledged <laughs> Ash's dad. Yeah. Yeah, that's it feels forbidden. Yeah, I yeah, I, if, I maybe that is a true sign they need to retire Ash's story because they got nothing left in the tank. I mean, we know point. that they have that yeah, they have no they, standards in this movie continuity because yeah. this is also the continuity where Pikachu like, talked. As someone yes. who is presently <laughs> mm-hmm. on a on course to watch all the Pokemon movies with my nephew. Oh man. We're <laughs> yeah. now uh at we're at we're four deep now. Yes, I can. Ap- yeah. Oh, you've, I can ap- so you've seen all the good ones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm not curious. Like, does it still hit when Ash dies in the first movie? Like, do children still like get fucked <laughs> okay. up by that? So, so <laughs> you know the bit in the first movie that upset the kids with that is Ash dying and like all the Pokemon, yeah. like all the Pokemon f- fighting each other, right? Yeah. I don't know if this was always. I don't remember if this was always the case. But the one we were watching, they play a very ridiculous. Oh yeah, insert song. brother, yeah. my brother. Yes, yeah, to yeah, try yeah. to like, still... to <laughs> try to like soften the like. Uh, it's really funny. I'm assuming yeah. that was a four kids thing and yeah, not yeah, yeah. song. Yes. Yes. yes, like trying to soften the like the brutality of the scene, right? Uh huh. So we were we were laughing our ass off during right, yeah. <laughs> because of the funny. song. All right, and and in fact, every movie so far would be like, well, it doesn't have the the brother brother my brother song, so it's not as good as the first movie. But, uh-huh. uh, Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, yeah. yep. Anyway, so the kids are black pilled these days, huh? Oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm blaming the song. Dang. The song <laughs> All right. Was there, was yeah. I mean, we'll keep uh, we'll keep the group appraised of the, the Ash victory lap. Uh, 
I suppose sure. as all the other sorts of forward. weird taboos that will be violated. I'm I'm yeah. just wondering if this was to see Ash's father showing up for reals. Yeah, they got to they got to empty the tank now, right? Yeah. Last it's just gonna be Professor Oak. <sighs> it's just finally, gonna be finally gonna get Mister Bike back. <sighs> well, I, I, ages I, I, ago. That's the joke. Yes, How many know. more twists can they do with Professor Oak, though? Like, I just watched movie four where he was, like, actually the uh-huh. little kid from the past or something. So, you know. Oh, we can't do too much with Professor Oak because his original voice actor is no longer with us. Right. Uh, true. He will no longer be reading us haiku or senryu. Well, he should, he should come back as, like, the piece of shit Professor Oak from the manga. <laughs> oh, dude, hell yeah! And we can't go on this tangent. I, all right, yeah, no, no, we you, you got smart, Euro. I just laid that bait right there in yes, front you, of you. I was like, you I, said Euro's trigger phrase. Uh, yeah, I bet he'll I, take I, it. I, 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 I was about then, to smash a human being. Uh, all right. Well, we've spent an hour talking about old shows. Yeah. Let's, all let's, right. Shall we finally talk about Winter 2023? Yeah. Let's get let's get oh on to the God. new stuff. Uh-huh. <sighs> we'll we'll, we'll start right, with. Well. Okay, so we'll start with the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius uh-huh. young lady. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll point. I'll point out. Uh, uh, Peter did write about this. I think yes. they enjoyed it. Um, yes. Aqua, you mentioned it. I've had. I heard enough buzz that I watched it before. I watched the first half on. of this episode, and I will. I will say my piece at, at the end here. Yeah, yeah, I, that I sounds watched, about right. <laughs> I watched. I watched both episodes as well, but All Aqua. Right. You you added this on here. Uh, so my thing is, right, I have like a track record of coming in on these first impression podcasts with a show that no one else has watched. And then it turns out to be one of our favorites. Like I came in with Ranking of Kings. I came in with Bocce. So I was trying to make lightning strike thrice. And I was going to I was like looking around social media. So I was like, hey, what show is like getting buzz? So I ended up watching this and it's it's fine. I don't think it's gonna I be do. one of those, but uh, the first yeah, the first it's, scene it's, had a weirdly well animated fight that yeah actually might have used fucking Tsukikage Ron as a reference. Anyway, go ahead, continue. It's it, it, it's it's okay. So so what is this? Is basically like we have an author who's who has like read way too much like isekai, but like specifically the like the girl isekai. So mm-hmm. not the like, oh, I got a cheat skill and I have a slave harem, but like the, I'm just I'm a young as a girl. Vill- I'm who... a villainess. I'm reincarnated yes. and I want to build a library. Right. And you basically have like two categories in this, right? You have on one hand, the, the I want to build a library. So the I reincarnated into a fantasy world and I, I want to do my, 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 my hobby or my fun things and have everyone join in in this cool fantasy world. And then on the other hand, you have like the villainous subgenre, and within that, you have like a specific subgenre of like, oh, the main character is like a noble woman who is betrothed to some prince, but then through some machinations, her betrothal is annulled, and the prince casts her out, falsely accusing her of being a Jezebel or whatever. <laughs> so this author saw these two like tropes and was like, yeah, that's cool. But what if they kissed? And that's <laughs> yes. That's basically what this is. Like the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady. So the reincarnated princess is a princess called Annis who can't use magic unlike all the other nobles. 
and is a pariah among her peers, but she's really good at magicology, which is like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Magecraft, using yeah. using magic materials from monsters to create everyday household objects, such as an electric kettle and a hairdryer, which is very funny. Uh, and then we have the genius young lady, who is like a noblewoman who is betrothed to the princess's uh, brother, the prince, uh, who is next in line for the throne because the princess renounced her her uh, right to the throne, uh, and she gets you know she gets the standard villainous situation of ah oh, you're being cast out for casted out because you were being mean to this girl I actually want to marry, uh, and so they meet and they quote unquote fall in love and they go on adventures to do the magical revolution. So sure, and the thing is like for some reason this works better than it sounds because i get the feeling that like this is one of those this is one of those stories where the author had a idea and then put in a bunch of like popular isekai tropes in order uh-huh, to justify uh-huh. its, its existence uh-huh. especially because this is one of those manga that was or, or like light novels that's published on that one you know yeah, that yeah. one cursed site Published that has ruined Naro, anime forever right. yeah 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 it's become novelists uh, and like the thing is like it's obvi- like this is a mostly harmless because i'll gladly take in like oh i will yes i will i will give magic to the common people and also be gay mm-hmm. over you know i will Horribly humiliate anyone who has ever slighted me and yeah. have sex with my slaves. Uh-huh. Like, uh, and there are some fun little details. Like, I like, for example, how the characters are more nuanced than you might initially think. Like, for example, in the conflict between the prince and Euphilia, the 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 genius young lady in the title, it's like the standard thing of like, oh, they're betrothed, but she is uh like. She is too clingy, like, oh, no, she, she sees him getting close to other women, and then she's like, oh, no, but if he gets close to other women, women, other people might think that he is cheating. So she goes up to the other girl and is like, hey, you shouldn't get too close to the prince, because, you know, we're supposed to get mm-hmm. married, and, you know, if they see you with her, they might think that you're trying to, you know, break up our engagement and stuff like that. So it's fun that she's, like, a, a pain in the ass, but also has her reasons for... Like yeah, lacking I mean, the social skills to understand that that's a really bad look, and that the prince himself is like, yeah, he's like this this dick who treats her badly, but also you can't really blame the guy for wanting to date the girl he's actually in love with and not the girl he has to date because of political marriages, mm-hmm, and yeah. like all the characters are kind of like that. Right. A lot of it is them kind of dealing mm-hmm. with the whole problem of arranged mm-hmm. marriage and right, right. right. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see because I watch. I did watch the two episodes that are out, mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. did take the full two episodes to get us to what is the status quo right. by the end of episode two. So the status quo I, was be gay, do crimes. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think episode three is going to be like the real. This okay. This is what the show actually is. Right. Because right? right. I don't think it's going to be as dramatic and whatever we got in the first two yeah episodes. it seems I, relatively lighthearted, right yeah, yeah. it's gonna be more but not in like an not in like an artificial way like 
Hmm. I mean, oh. uh, look, as as probably the person on this podcast that has watched the most of these comfy lesbian isekai right. shows, uh, it is probably in terms of like production and characters and stuff a little a step above your average one but i do think mm-hmm. it's probably going in the same direction right. as all the other right. ones oh oh yeah i, I get that it's just, it's just like like i i like these characters because they seem more complex than like the peppy one and the yeah. stuck up one like this lots of people have compared this to lakora's recoil because it's like the same dynamic <laughs> no, um, between no. the two main characters but no it's like not. The, is, the main girl, the main girl, the right. princess, is very openly thirsty for women. Right. Um, that's the. I mean, that's what I'm trying like, to say, right? This, this, <laughs> it's not. At like, least this is honest. Like sure. the main yeah. girl just walks in on her dad's, like, "Yo, I don't want to marry a guy. I'm into girls. Bye." Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. I do have one question about that. Um, th- this is an isekai show. They never actually explain. That element because it doesn't matter. And like, right? No, hold on. Yeah, I know. I'm going. I'm going somewhere with this. Um, Go ahead. I I don't because I I normally don't care. You're right. You are Mm -hmm. correct. And it doesn't really need to be here. I do wonder what are the and I couldn't. I was kind of doing some quick research. I couldn't find any satisfactory answers here. Would they ever play the card of like? In the her in original world, she was actually a guy, and that's why she loves girls. And let's like pull the rug out of the whole. Uh, uh, what what are the odds of that happening? Like non-zero, I'm, but not I'm that concerned. high. Non-zero, but I'm not sure. I'm not, I that, think... that could be a possibility, but um. So yeah, because otherwise, so. otherwise, I think they the don't... chance is likelier that like oh, she was into girls when in her previous life, but she. Couldn't, yes. you know, and I would hope that would be with the case. them, and now she can just do whatever she wants. Like, sure, I'm sure, just, sure. I'm just skeptical like, of anime yeah, finding uh-huh. loopholes to get out of their actual people actually being gay. Yeah, um, so like, yeah. my issues with Go the ahead, show I'm. is not necessarily to do with the show itself, but like the existence, the existence of <laughs> of something like this. Like, this is a great example. It's a great, great example of a like isekai poisoning everything. Right, and that right. you have what could just be a story about somebody who can't use magic and wants to yes. make a world, but can make magic tools or whatever, and wants to make a world where like normies can do magic. That's a totally that's a story that could exist just fine, or just mm, yep. a political drama about you know somebody who was betrothed and then is cast out for like political machinations and has to like deal with that. That's a story that could exist mm-hmm. on its own. However, because Isekai is poison and is everywhere, this is the cancer infecting all anime, like, both of these things are very popular as Isekai. Yes. Yep. And, like, Isekai is this inherently incestuous genre where not only, not only are these two types of stories very common by themselves in Isekai, but then now we have this other story yeah. that just mashes them together yes as as its own isekai yeah and it's That's i'm just lot. like you and the, just and the funniest thing is like this didn't even have to be isekai yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's only, like now only, now we just yeah. have isekai everywhere where the yeah. isekai doesn't fucking matter at all it just is the poison in there 
Right. That's yeah. just like like we've gotten to a point where this is just how stories right. are. And now. I fucking hate that. Like if you want to write something in a fantasy world, oh someone is reincarnated or got hit by a truck and ended up. The here. problem with that yeah. though, yeah. it's inherently limiting because Yeah. If you're just doing a fantasy world, you can put in whatever the fuck you want, right? Mm-hmm. If you're doing an isekai, it can't just be it's a fantasy world. An isekai, because you're from the point of view of a normal person, the world that they go into has to always be a world that is like X. It has to be like mm-hmm. a video game. Mm-hmm. It has to be like a regular fantasy. It has to be like yeah. an Otome game. It has to be like you know, Dragon Quest or whatever. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. not only is this genre like incredibly incestuous with with itself of we're repeating the same shit over and over, like it must keep, (laughs) it has to pull from stuff that already exists also. Like, yeah, you're, you're writing half the script. Right. This is Already. the thing we've always I know. I just... complained about. No, you know, <laughs> you've worded it pretty yeah. well. But usually when we come at this, it's because of like the game mechanics thing. Like where we're always yeah. complaining that like, oh, the audience is expected to have such a small frame of reference Even then, though, that like, everything yeah. needs to be expressed in like gaming right. terms. I'm, probably, I'm saying abilities. like now we've even moved past that right. to where the right. isekai world is just. It doesn't even have to be like a game. It just has to be like other isekai. Right. This is just yeah. what it is now. Like, this is the, the limited frame of reference in which fantasy stories right. are written. And we are like, the, the frame of reference like, is getting so smaller and smaller that now we have this show that, by all accounts, is totally fine. And, like, the content of the show mm-hmm. seems fine. But just the premise of it is... Mm-hmm. Like the possibility space has shrunk so much that now what one of probably the most noted shows this season is just what if we took Isekai F and Isekai H and yeah. cr- crammed them together, right? And yeah. like that is the thing, right? The most like the most popular show of this season is hey, it's the thing we've done a gazillion times already, but but now it's gay. Right. Like, and like, <laughs> well, yeah, you're talking about Gundam, uh, like. <clears throat> <laughs> but like that drives me crazy. Like, it pisses mm-hmm. me off. I'm annoyed. Right? Well, understandable. Yeah. Understandable. Yes. Which is to uh, say, I'm sure the show's uh, fine. I watched half of the first episode and was like, "This seems yeah. fine." But I am just like yeah. morally <laughs> against it on a meta oh, level. All right. Because I I totally agree. Like I I I basically do not watch any isekai on principle. Right. Like. Yeah, I mean that's why we skipped ten of them this season in yeah. our first looks, right? Because we don't even like need to like. There's nothing really to say at that point, and this one actually did do something right. a little you bit. Even, even, just even if there are no cheat skills or slave harems, it is just a fundamentally lazy derivative genre. Like, right. yes, I'm like it doesn't necessarily have yeah. to be. I don't know. It's it. Yeah, it, I'm annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm annoyed. Yep. Well, uh, I do have to say. One fun little touch they get from her being reincarnated is that whenever she uses like modern language, like she uses English loan words, everyone else is like, "Huh, what?" And she needs to explain what she's. But saying. they're all speaking Japanese she anyway, so it's a weird like yeah. hill to die on. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. They, they don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could just eliminate that stuff, and it would be anyway. Yeah, fine. anyway, just but yes. That that is how I feel about Isekai. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Correct. All right. 
we uh, we okay, need to. We haven't you... heard G for a long time. So <laughs> yeah, we really need to go on another rant and talk about, about this. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was just to say, let's just... move on to the next show, and you'll have something yeah. to say about that. Sure. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Just, I was just, I was just letting you guys go with your thing. You know, uh, Let, let's. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard. Uh, I, I haven't heard Iro that fired up in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That angry so, about something. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about Tomo Chan as a girl. We can um, confirm that she is a girl. Yep. Yes, I. I don't know. I mean, what do you want? What do you really want to hear from me on this show? Yeah. Like, it's, it kind of is what it is. Like, I've watched the first two episodes. Yeah. Uh, as I said in my first look post, you know, like I think 2014 me would have been like kind of like a lot more into into this show's premise, <laughs> you know, like. But like you know, just you know, to give a quick synopsis, it's about a tomboyish girl who wants to confess to her best friend. But her best friend is, at least on the surface, just sees Tomo as too much as uh, of of one of the dudes, just a bro, a bro you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. They, uh, you know, she she confesses to him, and she and he's like, "Yeah, bro, I love you, bro," and and, and fist bumps her, you know. And love you too, bro. Yeah. It's it's uh it, that's the premise, you know. It's it's a it's it's yep. the tomboy is the heroine, you know. That that is the that is the gimmick here. It's 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 another one of these like ensemble rom com anime, you know. Like you have the best friend and you have the foreigner. <laughs> and... <laughs> the foreigner. Let's, let me just let me just come in here with just like. Yeah, I have I've read the entire manga for this, but you have to okay. keep in mind that this was a daily manga. So this is right. something that like the author put up a new four coma strip every day on Pixiv, right? And like that, I read it every day, and that works. Sure, but this does not work as an anime because if you right. watch it, like the thing is, it starts out just being the same joke over and over again. And you can do and, that when it's happening every day, and you right, with it or when you or when you like have yeah. a backlog of sixty like four coma strips that you just breeze through in three minutes, right? Right, because I mean, right. like like that that you saying that they they were released daily, it's like oh, it's almost meant to be like a daily strip, right? Like, like right, like a newspaper it's, it's, comic, it's peanuts, yeah, right, yeah, like, yeah, like uh, peanuts like, or something, mm-hmm. yeah. And in that in that right. context, then these jokes make sense, I guess. It's it's mm-hmm, but yes, mm-hmm. it is definitely once you like put it in once you frame it in the twenty two minute weekly format that right. I'm not hundred percent sure it works as well. Yeah. And then in episode two they sort of open it up, they turn it into more of an ensemble comedy because like right. uh Gundo gets right. more screen time and they introduce the foreigner. All, uh, right. Carol Cotton Candy Olsen. All, so like all of these shows sort of like Shikimori-san a few seasons ago or whatever, like they sort of follow the same format of it's the one joke for a bit right. and then we introduce more characters and it becomes an ensemble comedy because what else, what else right. can you do, right? This is the thing, like we, I've had this with many shows that people are like on Twitter are like, hey, this is so funny. And I was like, what? I saw the first episode of that. It was just the same joke over and over again because right. that's when like that thing you've described has happened. Right. You know, the one yeah. joke I mean, has like, run its course, and now we have to like turn it into and, an end. And even like Kaguya did this too. Just the jokes were better, right. and so it, you know it maintained its and also yeah. the, sh- the shift came earlier. Right. Quicker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I guess, yeah. it's not a four coma. I think that's an important yeah, yeah. distinction to right. make. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Yeah. And so I guess that's that sort of thing with Tomo Shan, right? Is like mm-hmm. it's totally fine. Like it's not like it's not objectionable. I, mostly, like there's nothing mostly. really. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like there's really nothing particularly untoward about it. They 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 maybe lean into the the boob jokes with the foreigner a little too yeah. much. Like, wow, she's a foreigner and she's got big tits. And it's like, you know, what's ah, even right, funnier well, than, ah, she's got big tits because she's a foreigner. What if there was a character who you wouldn't expect to oh. have boobs, but then she actually have big boobs. <laughs> Hilarious. Dang. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's that it's kind of show. Yeah, right? it, it is fine. You know, like Tomo Chan is, she's a, They're she's not, a totally uh, likable member of a venerable archetype um, i will say uh two things first of all this show as far as i know never does the thing where they give her a makeover to make her more girly like the show is right. about her wanting to be seen as a woman by her friend but she ne- like it's never about she needs to be more but not like changing herself like right yeah, 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 yeah changing yeah. herself and, right yeah. and i guess that is what i mean when i say that i appreciate that like we live in this era where like <laughs> anime culture has become so atomized right. that like you can just have a show that's like here's your whole here's your trash can right. get in you know like <laughs> I've been first like, garbage there's dozens of manga on Pixiv that are literally just called like this is a romantic comedy where X archetype wins uh-huh. or is the heroine where, where like, Otaku meets a Garu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think and yeah. in some in, in some ways it maybe speaks to like it is the and this is why like I can't hate on Tomo Shan too much because I I also embody this mindset of like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know you need to be the change you want to see in the world <laughs> yeah. right if, uh-huh. if you want to see more tomboys and you want to see them win. You have Demo- to make it happen. Somebody you know? will make the like democratize the waifus. Um, somebody will yeah. make the hole yeah, that yeah. is made for you. <laughs> exactly. One day, someone will make the like shotgun Oshana equivalent and like popularize a specific archetype that will get parroted a hundred times, right. right, and be the only one right, for but- X years. But I guess that's kind of what, like that's the thing. I mean, you joke, you know, but also I wonder if that can even happen anymore. Is sort of what I'm getting at is like right. people's tastes have become so like diversified. Like, like you just can't have a Shiori Fujisaki uh, Fujisaki. Can right? I can't have another Ray Ayanami. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot have like the single it girl that just unites all of otaku fandom. That doesn't right. exist anymore. You know, and so people have their very particular tastes and preferences, and you sort of see that reflected in the work that are being made right like and and, and i guess mm-hmm. in some regards that's it that's that, academically that's interesting to me even if the show itself is like not necessarily that like noteworthy it's right. like oh that's it it's cool and it's interesting that someone was willing to make an anime devoted entirely to my garbage can as opposed <laughs> to all of the other garbage cans i'm just waiting um, for uh, a romantic comedy where the snarky brooding goth girl gets to be the heroine even though she fucking hates you well, oh i'm <laughs> sure that's got to be out there somewhere all in due time yeah all right also shout out to rie takahashi for doing her crazy tomboy voice while she's usually Takaki-san. <laughs> sure. Oh yes, yes, sure. uh, yeah. Like when I when I heard her voice, I was like, yeah, I, I was like, oh, who who voiced this character? Because yeah. like I I was not I was not entirely sure. She I was like Mashu and Fate. Like in our, in yes, right. I, yeah, she's okay because because yeah. you know maybe you know speak you know putting my hand out there. I was like, this doesn't sound like like I've heard all of the major tomboys. <laughs> 
in anime voice acting. <laughs> I, I, I could identify them like at the back of my hand. This is a new one. And so I yeah. was pleasantly surprised. Sure. All right. Now, now that we're on this topic, um, allow me a brief aside. I just remembered that I had another show I needed oh to goodness. write about. And I've literally forgotten about it because it was so boring. Cool. And that show was called Kubo-san Won't Let Me Be Invisible. Uh, and God, we everything did watch you that, need to know we? about that show is in the title. It's about a boring guy who just wants to fade into the background. But there's this girl who just won't let him. And yeah, that's, that's the show. Right. That I also show. instantly let that drain like, out of my brain. Yeah. We'll have so, to, uh, apologies, yeah. all you Kubo stands uh, who were looking <laughs> uh-huh. forward to my scorching hot first impressions on that. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of those types of shows these days. Yeah. Uh, the, oh boy. Like, we need to... Manic Pixie Dream Girl bullies you into doing social activities. Oh, well, yes. Our next show has a more of a Manic Pixie Dream Boy. <laughs> Let's go. We have to keep this moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a Sugar Apple Fairy Tale, which is a show that is about, hey, what if girls could own slaves in a fantasy world? Mm. More female prison guards. (laughs) So the thing is, this is like, this also caters to a fetish as in, Oh, I want a brooding guy to protect me, even though he doesn't really want to. But there's just something within him that that makes it so that he can't help but protect me. Uh-huh. You know that kind of thing, which is and still better time... than I want to humiliate women and have them be my sex slaves. But still, words in the ground. Yeah, and sorry, I just can't get my head around this. Like this character, there's a show place lip service to the idea that the main character maybe is considering that buying a slave is perhaps a little bit unethical but it never goes into it other than like oh i have a generic thing to brood about like when 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 we say slaves is it like fairies yeah so the show is, is set in a world where like There once were fairies, and there are humans, and humans were able to subjugate fairies, because it turns Uh, out fairies just can't resist sugar. uh, So we fed fairies... The, a bunch these, of these fairies need to uh, need to learn something from the fairies in Dunbine. Just uh, <laughs> say fuck you yeah. to the to the to the and affairs now, of men. Right, and now men rules the earth, and fairies are their servants. So mm. our main character wants to become a what is it like patissier, sugar confectionery yeah. maker person, uh-huh. and His we thought the show would be about you... that. But yeah, that's it's... how they control the fairies. Right. It? Yeah. But her mom okay. was like, oh no, fairies are friends. So, like the whole sugar confectioner thing is vague because you think the show is just going to be about that, but then it turns out to not be important at all. Right. Yeah. And it's she just, just an goes excuse to for her to go to the big city. Yeah. It's just like, oh no, it's dangerous because of highwaymen. So I guess I'll buy a fairy slave as a bodyguard. And cool. like all the fairies are like you know like Tinkerbell fairies like you know little guys with wings, uh, but there's also a fairy tale that is just a hot guy who is just regular sized and has a, a warrior fairy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and 
like you can just imagine what this guy looks like, you know, the like brooding bad Dark boy. Hair. And as soon as we saw this character yeah, and they were discussing right. his name, I was like, it's gonna be something edgy like like crow or something, right? And then like literally one second after it was like, My name doesn't matter. Call me Crow. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right. Well, yep. So you can uh, you can go show. to thegloriablog.com oh, yeah, and read yeah. Aqua's yes, read that uh, fairy, full fairy tale, uh-huh. uh, cautionary tale, in, in place of uh-huh. the review of that oh, show. But yeah, uh, yeah. So keep it moving here. Um, Should have kept the princess girl boss joke for another show. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Let's talk about buddy daddies. Buddy daddies. Uh, Buddy, this is two yeah, killers. I was actually this is one of the few. This yes, that's actually the title. Um, I was actually this is one of the few shows I was actually looking forward to checking out this season, and I was somewhat disappointed. I guess mm-hmm. uh, the concept being there are two. I get they're killers, Hitman. Uh and they had taken a little girl. I guess uh-huh. and so, because so it was like, what if <laughs> so okay because the character design I was I wasn't like quite paying yes. attention so. The whole joke at the end of the first episode is like the their mark was the girl's dad, right? Uh, right. And they're like, "Oops, we killed her papa." Because of the the guy looks really similar to the main character, or like one of yes. the, one of the protagonists. So like, I thought the joke was she is actually his kid, right? Until they got to until we watched episode two, and they were like, "Oh man, I guess it was that guy's kid." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's a lot." <laughs> darker um yeah so all right let's, i didn't watch episode two but i did watch episode uh-huh. one and you know i'm thinking and I, th- I think this is what they are still going for is hey it's dad anime but they do crimes right uh-huh. they shoot people. um it's i did i guess i wasn't expecting them to just be straight out murderers okay. <laughs> like like they're, they're like hitmen like um and i did not feel like that meshed well with the vibes they're going for i think there's a way uh, to make it work if if you like recall spy family had the brief joke flash segment where he, anya's like i gotta go take your i gotta go look at my parents job and your imagines taking anya along on a on a hit right yeah and like so if you had leaned into that i think the show would have been fun yeah so the thing is like at least in the first episode, though, like that's kind of their only defining characteristic, yes. and we don't really like know why they're doing. Like, I mean, that's that's a very drastic mm. career decision sure. to say the least. Like, why are I mean, they? I mean, doing you don't this really need to know that. Though. Oh, I got all that. Like, yeah. No, I feel like the actual main issue I have with Buddy Daddies, right, is like, I mean, as I as I said in my first in in the first look posts, you know, it's this is store brand spy family. This is we have spy family at home. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. because like you guys are talking about like oh wow it's kind of weird they kill people both Lloyd and Yor kill, kill people, people. Yeah. yeah but like, the, it's well established right so that, that like that's makes buddy daddy's not work is like the humor doesn't really feel like it is necessarily tied to the premise like it feels like th- they're just kind of throwing jokes in there but the jokes aren't really related to mm-hmm. like. Yeah, well, that, that's like, what I'm talking about. Like, like when Spy Family makes a joke about you're killing people, it's they they frame it in a way that is like funny. It's like kind of dark, funny 
jokes, right? Like that tie in with yeah. the they're they're they're, ta- they're tying it in with the whole overall premise. And honestly, that's like you know one tenth of what's going on in Spy Family. Whereas like in this, it's not coming together. Like there's no, no. that them being killers does not serve the purpose of the rest of the show. It's just gives us cool action scenes right right because like the the, like a lot of the jokes are just like haha a kid is here rather than like anything actually unique to the premise and the the kid has no personality whatsoever other than child i mean i mean none of them really have much to work with like personality i think i think that is the issue right is like you look at you know you look at like the thing that make Lloyd, Yor, and Anya all work is that they are, they, here's the thing, they all represent very specific, well-worn archetypes, but they have specific twists and quirks that make it interesting, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, Lloyd is the super cool, super prepared spy, but he is, like, left utterly befuddled by the behavior of both his child and his, like, fake wife, right? Like, they completely confound him. He has no, like, despite his years of experience as a spy, he has no clue how to deal with either of them, right? Right. Where, you know, Anya is a... Look, here's the thing, right? Anya can be very adorable. She can be a very fun, cute, precocious child. But also, she is a bratty shit heel who <laughs> will do anything in her power to, like, maintain the found family she has. Right. Uh, but also, she is still a child with a child's understanding of the world. And that inherently limits what she can do. Yeah. Yeah. The kid in Buddy Daddy does nothing. She's just a kid. Like, that's yeah. it. Like, it's just child. And, like, it's not even a particularly, like, realistic child because, like, like, the whole thing, the whole thing feels like somebody had this good idea on paper, let's make this, and then they had no plan for how to make it actually work, right? Kind of. Which, you know, is like, like, we always come back to, like, you got to have more than a good idea, right? You need to know how to... Like, for example... Like I I know it was like it was like weird for me to get hung up on this, but it still bothers me. Is like okay, so there's the joke in episode two where like, you know, one of the buddy daddies gets woken up because the little girl needs to use the toilet, right? And the whole joke is basically, oh, he's an adult, but he doesn't know how to deal with a kid. You know, it's like oh, she she needs help up onto up onto the potty, right, and all that stuff, right? This same child navigated Tokyo right. by <laughs> herself. In episode one. Way harder than so getting old, up onto a toilet, if you ask me. So, how old is this kid meant to read? Because in my brain, based on her actions in episode one, I was like, oh, she's like Anya's age, you know? Like, right. older than a toddler, but like, probably at earliest kindergarten age, right? right. Like, you know, four to six range, right? Like, sure. Like, is, is, is old enough to be, like, self-conscious about her surroundings, but like obviously still not like wise to the ways of the world. And yeah. then the joke in episode two completely throws that into question. I'm like, wait. This kid's this child not capable of old? using the restroom by herself? How old is she, actually? Yeah. Like, is she younger than that or something? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like it's it's like even the jokes don't really fit the vibe and the t- the tone of the of the work that they like preside in. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Weird it's like, show. yeah, like this it, is this, it's just, this is, yeah, it's just it doesn't come together as one yeah cohesive thing that felt like it's like thought thought out and planned no, out. And, certainly like, they not. Know, like, what they're working with this. This show is probably a good reminder that like 
Look, we all loved Akiba Made War, and we were all like, man, PA Works really pulled it off. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, let us not forget that PA Works' actual track record with anime originals is spotty. There's also, spotty, like, yes. I mean, it's it's different, like, core creative talent here, but, uh, oh, but of you course, know, it of is. Course, yeah. Yes. Um, I, I do think that's a good comparison because that's another show. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna take this sort of like, because it, like the, it's pretty like the show's pr- pretty violent, and like if you're gonna go that route, like you either kind of integrate it like the way Spy Family does, like we're saying, or Akiba Made War is another good example of like taking that idea and like knowing exactly what to do with it. Right? Yeah, like they right. had they had a crazy idea, so like you know. Hitmen that adopted a little girl. Crazy idea. Sounds fun. Okay, now now what do we do with that? And this feels like they don't have a plan. You know, Akiba Made War was like, you know, maids, but they're Yakuza. Crazy idea. Sounds like fun. And then they had they had a plan yeah. of exactly how to right. like, like, like that, that is a show that actually interrogated, even in its best jokes, what does that joke actually mean? Like, what does right. it actually mean to mix maids and Yakuza? Like, and where mm-hmm. does the humor come from that? Yeah, and, and this kind of feels like they're they're right. Well, we have this idea and now we're just kind of making it up as we go here or something. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. it's it's a little disappointing. That said, like I, I, I we're coming down pretty hard on it. It's not like terrible, I don't think, but it's just no, it's just boring. Yeah, disappointing. Yeah. It, it it was it was a good idea that could have been better. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. Let's. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll move into our video game adaptation. Uh, Mini block, block here. Mini block. We'll talk about uh, Near Automata version one point one a, the anime adaptation. Yeah. Uh, interesting. You know, we 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 said it. We've spoken at length about our feelings coming into this. That this is probably the last game you would want to adapt into an anime. And now that it's here, it's been interesting because I feel like our feelings for episode one and episode two are very different. <laughs> yes, I would say so. Uh, uh, at least for me, anyway. And I'll, I'll kind of touch on later because most of us here have played the game and most of us loved it to varying degrees. But um, for me, it's one of my probably one of my favorite games of all time. And I think that has a huge impact on how much you might enjoy the, <laughs> oh, or uh, most, even understand the anime. Yeah. Um, so basically, episode one is a lot of shot for shot recreation of stuff that happens in the intro of the game, right? Like, yes, it's pretty to, to, a, to a except ex- somehow worse. Yes, to like, an ex- extent that like is is dull. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not interesting. It is. Yeah. It did not, yeah, and and you know, there's a there's a terrible mix of like pretty good hand drawn animation and terrible CG. Uh-huh. The, op- yeah, the like... opening dogfight is like almost so bad it looks like a it looks like a meme glitch compilation. <laughs> like you, you would like almost... it looks like Gary's mod. Like <laughs> <laughs> like you would almost they almost would have been better off just like copying the top down camera view right. from the video t- game. T- take a take somebody playing it, the game or something because it yeah. wouldn't have been as distracting as like like, like yeah, I mean as you guys say right it's just a very 
dull, straight adaptation of the or opening just, section you know, of that game. Or just, you know, not do and, that dogfight because it's not narratively important, and if you don't have the means to do it, just start with 2B right. landing on Earth. Like, like, like what, what we're all getting at here is, like, the show opens with, the, with like, the game, with uh, 2B flying in on their, like, transforming, like, mech gliders, right? And... That the CG model for the mech glider is just really, really bad. Like, like yeah. noticeably look like worse than because there is CG elsewhere in the show, right? They use CG for any of the scenes where they're like, there's a lot of robots on screen or the machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are CG as well, but it's not as distracting as like, like, like the 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 CG model for the flyer mech is like literally it looks like some PS2 shit or something. And like the most egregious part <laughs> about it is because. So the thing about CG mecha, right, is the reason why it, it can often get away with being CG is that there's no organic components, right? It is a pure, like, mechanical, mechanical yeah. object. The problem is that these flyers do show the writer in them because it's almost like an exoskeleton. So the problem yeah. is that not only do you have these kind of bad <laughs> CG mechs, you have bad, like, A-posed 9S and 2B standing stationary in these mechs like it's the freaking PS1 Bochi segment or something. Yeah, it's it's real bad. Yeah. It doesn't help. It's like, it's almost the Gadan meme from GoldenEye 64. I I think the the, the key moment in episode one for me that was like just kind of reinforcing everything I was worrying about was um, when they show the bit where uh, 9S sees the the, the machine uh, pouring the oil on the other machines. Yes. Uh-huh. And in that in the game, you know, they make you kind of play that out and it has a lot of impact when mm-hmm. they cut over to 9S saying, hey, you're, you know, it's... Ha ha, these dumb robots. Don't walk And in back. this, it was like yeah. literally one second of, mm-hmm. of that happening. And I'm like, why was this even here? This did, this served, like, it had no and, and impact so, or anything and, and on that it. Is, that is the weird thing that you realize with episode one is, oh... This is adapting both Route A and B at the same time, right? True, yes, true, like, yes. We, we are that getting both 2B and 9S's viewpoints of this story, which makes sense for a non-interactive narrative, but kind of fails to understand that a lot of the stuff you learn in the 9S route is stuff you should only know after having experienced the game. Right. That that that's really... meaningless at this point in the story, right? Like, right. That like that, that information no... doesn't really have any impact at the moment. And then and, and it and then it becomes like, okay, well now you're just throwing this in here basically to recreate the game, but also it's it's it becomes like a fan thing, right? Like yeah, this is not right. helping people that have not played the game, right? This is playing yeah like i i don't it. know if a person who you know i mean as i mean artemis contributed to the first look post and kind of confirms my theory that i don't think somebody who's, who's never played near automata would be able to pick this. up on the story very well based on yeah. episode one alone like yeah. it doesn't do a great right. job of setting the scene for you yeah so that does take us into episode two which was i think more interesting uh because they I feel like too they made a lot more effort to make this an adaptation and not a recreation. Yeah, like of I mean, what was again, in the game. I will say personally, episode two definitely pulled me back into the territory of, yeah, okay, yeah, let's see what you got. Going to like, give it a shot. Yeah, I still wouldn't um, call it good. It's all like it's the most basic possible thing they could have done with it. Like, 
Oh, we're going to elaborate a little bit more yeah. on the resistance. Oh, we're going to do another sad robot story. <laughs> like, oh, I think yeah. Aqua is like that is near Atomic. Yeah, like, you could, yeah you, that is true. You, you could like reductively like boil all of Near Automata to sad Say robots I'm questioning their personhood, and I think that would take away from like the impact of how it is executed and how it is portrayed. And right, look, some of that is the strength of Keiichi Okabe's music being <laughs> repurposed. Oh, yeah, like if it works, it works. You know, like I, yeah, I, mean, I I agree. They should have put something like that in this anime. Right, they should have put a sad robot story in this anime because that is what near is. Yeah, but I it, think it's it's sort of like to me I, it, it 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 seems both. It was a relatively straightforward tearjerker kind of story. Yeah, it's oh, not yeah. like the game they... is cap- well, the game is capable of doing more than that. Yeah, and also. I... I just get kind of, I get kind of, ner- because the Nier franchise has been rewritten, expanded upon so many times. There's the plays, there's a book, there's a, there the whole Final Fantasy XIV thing. And now it seems like they're once again going to try something different. And I'm like, can you please just... Just let it be. Tell the story you want to tell. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to be honest. I completely disagree. I think if you were going to go out of your way to make a near Automata anime, this is the stuff I need to see from it to justify its existence. Like I, understand, I, I understand that. You should change the story so that it is an anime and not a video game. I'm just yeah. hoping they're not going to change fundamental things about it like the whole thing with this 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 what, what what's her name lily character yeah who, who this who, just who, feels like marie in persona 4 golden like well, it's the game you know except now she is here too well like she's sort of taking the role of a character who was in the game but who yeah. had a different name right who's like, also I named guess. after a flower uh an- yeah an enemy. An enemy, yeah, yeah i guess yeah. Also, so, again, and like that's I see that's the stuff that like again, I mean, it's sort of like the stuff that interested me about, you know, Final Fantasy VII remake and broadly oh, yeah. in theory interested me about, you know, the 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 Ava rebuild movies is like look, I'm not like I'm not I'm not hoping that like near Automata the anime goes like completely off the rails or anything. It's just that like I <laughs> I, I love the that. story's themes and characters. I love the narrative it is always told. I love the fundamental message of Near Automata. And, and I have experienced it so many times at this point that, like, if you're going to do it again in a different medium, like, I think that what they've done with Episode 2 does a lot more to justify this anime's existence than Episode 1, like, ever did. I and, would agree yeah. with that. Like, yeah. So, I, I will say... I still think if I if I try to divorce my feelings for the game and look at the anime solely in a vacuum, which is impossible, yeah. but doing my yeah. best, I think if I if I'm honest with myself, a lot of my enjoyment in episode two is still tied to my opinion of the game and not what the episode itself is doing. Yeah, right. I mean, like because it's a lot of it is me feeling like, yeah, that was a good video game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, especially like, you know, especially oh, the music. For like me, the this fact is that, like mm, go yeah. Ahead. If I if I can butt in here, I 
a, a kind of a problem was that I like Nier Automata, right? But I don't think I enjoy it as a game. And seeing this, seeing those, like, music, hearing those music tracks again, seeing those environments again, seeing those enemies again, all it sparks in me is like, oh my god, I remember running around this environment <laughs> for five times doing dumb side I mean, trust me, I don't want to ever play, I don't want to ever play the game again dice again see, while the same is, fucking song blasts in the background. See, this, like, I think this is the difference between, like, people who, who like Nier Automata and the sickos who love Nier Automata. Yeah, right. Because you know what got me about this anime? They uh, played the correct version of the city theme <laughs> for the yes. current part of the story they are in. That theme yeah. that evolves three or four uh, times throughout man. the game, they specifically play the right version. I mean, yeah, of course. And that's the shit that makes me a sicko so, go, ah, you do understand what you're doing. So just to, just to finish where I was going, you know, we've mm. all played the game. Uh, we did have Artemis join on the post, as we mentioned, who has does not play games and did not play the game. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting. You can go read her actual thoughts, yeah. but I thought it was interesting that, you know, her, her takeaways were she had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Fair. The sa- soundtrack, soundtrack is amazing. And there's a lot yeah. of thighs. Yeah, uh-huh. perfectly fair. And, like, like, yeah, that, no, that, fir- that pretty much that sums it up. That first episode, like, even someone who does not play the game can recognize this is just an adaptation of a game. You know, you start yeah. with a cool... Like sky level, you land. There is literally a wave of enemies that comes at you. The mm-hmm. camera even zooms out, showing to be from the back while the monsters arrive. Like yep. it's going yeah. so, to go into gameplay at any moment. It's I would be real rough. Like, I would be interested. I don't know if she was actually going to watch episode two. I'd be interested to hear what she thought about yeah. that. But that that perspective is a lot more interesting yes. to me than sure, our perspective yes. as people who like the but, game because mm-hmm. our our opinion is heavily yeah. tainted. That, right. I think. But also, I we do want to recognize that on some level, this anime was likely made for people familiar with the games, right? Obviously. Like, I, so, I, like, I did, on... yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I, right. I, in that, in, in sort of on that tone, like, I, I do appreciate the doofy pop up segments at the end, yeah, which yeah, are like yep. very explicitly like, hey, this was a game. Here's some of the, the stuff from the game that we can't show. Uh, right, like yeah. silly references to things from the game. Yeah, like the, how the if you delete endings. your 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 your, your like your OS kernel file, yeah. You, yeah. you die. Yeah, yeah. The joke, the joke endings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes, Pu- Puppet Two B will eat a fish by the end of this anime. I yes, I that's sure. definitely guess, going to happen. And so, like, I'm also it's just Tiger Dojo all yeah, over. Yeah, granted, exactly. Granted that these are joke <laughs> segments, though. Like, I'm curious if they will. You leverage that for like some of the more serious alternate endings in some way. Yeah, because right. I mean, okay, because you have to. I mean, I guess you could if they are combining the main ones. I guess you could put A, B, and C together depending on. I don't know, but the the other ones. I mean, there's still like twenty more of them, right? Yeah. So I mean, A, <laughs> like, B, and C is the canon story, and they don't contradict each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. except that. And let's not get into the very ending. But <laughs> well, yeah. can't, we can't, anyway, we can't, can't get, get into, into that. Here, but, but yeah. So um, here is where I, I want to bring up two specific things that I think again, as fans of the game, mm-hmm. this means that we are coming from a very specific mindset and approach. But also I would not surprise me if the anime is cognizant of this. Uh two things that fans have uh noticed about this anime. 
So the first one is the, uh, you know, yes, the Marie-esque new character, Lily. Uh, Lily is in the original Yorha stage play. Right. And okay. Notably, upon rereading it, it is specifically Lily's death in the stage play that convinces A2 to defect from Yorha. All right. Uh, Lily's death is the catalyst that motivates her defection. Sure. So it's been a while that, since I've checked that out. But yeah. So are looked, we like that are we actually the timeline little... really rather weird, right? Because two B and 9S have already met Lily. Yeah. Like so they might wasn't be the implication some... that A2 defected years ago? Yes. Uh, they, you could like, take some creative license with that yeah, how it still yeah. works. Yeah, right? stage play like yeah. quite a while the, before the events of the game. Go ahead. The other thing that fans noticed, and this is some real blink and you'll miss it. <laughs> Apparently, there is a single frame of the anime on the space station in which, in the reflection of a window, <laughs> you can see one of the ladies in red. Sure. I mean, that's just normal. <laughs> they are in yes, the system. I know. Yeah. Yes, yes. But I'm just saying that they are. This anime feels like, on some level, they understand the work they are dealing with here. Sort of. Episode yeah. one was a lot was not encouraging right. but it seems like there are at least aspects of this production that show so that too, like, even if Yoko stuff, Taro yeah. I will think at really some involved. point during at some point during episode 2 I was like did they make episode 1 bad on purpose <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, I, I do I do feel like there's certain but... like um episode 1 has uh, I think there's certain like almost like a marketing angle to that yeah. in episode one where we got to make it look like the game. So that people are like, Oh, I remember that part. I wish watch the anime. It's right? just funny but... though, because ironically, I think for game fans, if mm. episode two had been episode one, be like way more. I think people would have been yeah. way more sold on this thing. Yes. But then they would have had episode one as episode two and everyone would have been like, Oh, Oh, so this is what it's going to be. Huh? <laughs> like, <True>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, they also did have the one quick reference to Dragon Guard one in there. I thought that was funny. There is also yes a Dragon Guard reference in there. Yes, <laughs> I will say we all know why this anime was made, right? I mean, yes, it's to make money. Yoko Taro no, is this no, now Square no. Enix's cash cow. Well, no, Yoko Taro went to a con and was like, "Hey, there are no more two B cosplayers. Mm-hmm. What the hell is up? We uh, need to we need to make an yeah. anime so people will cosplay two B again." Yeah, it's got to reignite interest in the character naturally. Yeah. <laughs> All I mean, right. he did explicitly tell the character designer to make a character that would be fun to cosplay. Oh, they all do that now. Well, it's not special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's keep moving to our other video game here. Uh, yeah. I I sometimes Trails. forget Aqua that you have actually played the uh, Trails uh, Trails Cold of Cold Steel. Steel. Yes, yes, yes. Series. Well. Uh, I have played uh, 1 and 2, which is convenient because this show is set right between 2 and 3. Okay. Uh, okay. So there's a little, there's a little many, time skip. How many skip. are there? Uh, three, uh, there's four Trails of Cold Steel. Okay. But there is also like a fifth one uh-huh. that is called Trails into Reverie, oh, which, yeah? is like a, which is like a, a, a capstone to like the three trails series that also you know uh-huh, as, okay, as, uh-huh. as, the, as like, the trails fans will tell you you know if you're a real trails fan you start with, you start with dragon slayer yeah and you'll yeah. play the trails of the trails of the trails sky of the sky well, trails you know, to zero trails to zero. yeah yeah i i have had the trails fans have so helpfully explained to me mm-hmm. that um you probably shouldn't play 
Trails of Cold Steel if you're not going to play the PSP games. And I told uh, that Trails fan, uh, all right, then I guess I'm never playing your <laughs> franchise. So. Look, that person is wrong. I would say Trails of Cold Steel does a relatively good job at being an entry point for people. But, you know, the thing with Trails is it is this massive story mm -hmm. that is set in the Zamurian continent, right? And then within the series, you have like sub-series because these are like cheap JRPGs. They can crank out one a year. So you have this different sub-series. You have Trails of the Sky, which is set in Liberal or something. Then you have the, the so-called Crossbell arc, which is two games set in the city-state of Crossbell. And then you have Trails of Cold Steel, which is set in the Erebonian Empire, which is sort of like the bad guys in the previous two, because they're like the evil empire that is trying to take right. over these other two countries. Right? And now they're making a new series called well, Kuro no Kisiki, so I'm, I'm assuming that will be translated as Trails into Black or something, which is set in the Calvard Republic, which is like the big rival of the empire. And all of these games tell the same events, but from perspective of the different countries, right? The events being uh, Erebonia, which is in a civil war, all of a sudden expanding uh, and, and turning imperialist, taking over other countries and causing trouble there. And then this, while it is called Trails of Cold Steel, because brand recognition... I think it's fairer to say that it's like a new Trails entry because it takes the action to another country. Okay. Okay. Uh, like uh, another country in that world, you yeah. know. But it is yet again a country that is under threat from the Erebonian Empire, right? Uh, and, and so it's a story of like uh, Northambria, I think the country is called, which is like fake Russia or like fake, fake, you know, fake cold country you know like <laughs> yes <laughs> right uh they're like a, a crappy little country that once became independent because of a revolution that was stoked on by a number of revolutionary heroes but it's now kind of in trouble because all of these revolutionary heroes are dying of old age and they sort of have no one to replace them in fact they're such a powerless country, they don't have an army of their own. They hire mercenaries as an, as their army to protect them from uh, from invaders. So and historically, where... this has always worked out well. It <laughs> right. has always worked yeah. to hire mercenaries to be your standing military. Yeah. This and has they, worked out the, for uh, every fresh... nation that has ever done this. Yeah. Is, is this where the fresh-faced anime kids come in now? There's the well, new blood. kind of. Like, 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 like you know, there, there's like a the main character who whose grandfather was one of the revolutionary heroes who is now joining up because her grandfather actually has the reputation of being the fallen hero like the one who did great things but afterwards betrayed or abandoned his country in some way she wants to save his reputation by joining up with the mercenaries so right. the people in Northumbria see what happens at the end of, Col uh, of Trails of Cold Steel 2 which is uh, Erebonia invades uh, the independent city-state of Crossbell. Uh, in fact, I don't know how you're ending... remembering all these countries. But... Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm Look, actually like... like... I have... <laughs> these games are very long, okay? Yes. And I've played them, so you do remember. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you sure you wouldn't uh, be interested in perhaps checking out um, That's not... a certain legendary <laughs> 1988 science fiction? Yeah, we gotta keep this moving. We gotta keep this moving. Right. So, uh, they they realize that there's a 
threat underway. Um, and that's basically where the story starts. And what you get is basically standard Trails affair, which is really solid world building, like political maneuvering, intrigue, but all the characters are like the dumbest, flattest <laughs> anime cliches possible. Oh boy. Like, yeah. <laughs> so you have like... So Fire Emblem. Kind of, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but but in more modern setting. Right. But like the, the world building is interesting because unlike other fantasy JRPG kind of stories, this is like trying to emulate like 1940s, 50s-ish well, right. style. Yeah, it's Valkyria more like it's, 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 it's no, 20th century. No, it's more advanced more so. than Valkyria Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Like they have things like there are things like radio, television. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, but they don't have like you know interstellar travel or anything. It's not like hard. It's not like full on sci fi mm-hmm. like later Final Fantasy games. So like, like I guess my it is like yeah. an alternate modern mm-hmm. day. Almost. I guess my question like, regarding this show is that like specifically you as, as somebody who has played the games mm-hmm. and like has context for mm-hmm. for the premise of this, this show, is, like yeah. Regarding, I suppose, the meta plot of things, mm. is this like actually quite relevant, or is this more of a like? And here's what was going on over here as like a, as a I new think, thing. I, I think this is a like. This is what here's what is going on in Northumbria, mm-hmm. you know. Because as far as I know, they go to Northumbria in like Trails of Cold Steel Four, which is like off oh, okay. these events. So this is literally like a, a prequel of like. How you know what okay, happened okay. when Erebonia and, and so Northumbria went to war? This is like, like more deeply connected to one of the later games that you have not yet played. Yes, yes, I see. yes. Okay, but that's like, and the thing is, like, this is completely unwatchable if you haven't played it. Right? Yeah, I watched games. the first episode, like, and now it's just like, like yeah. all right, guys, you're <laughs> saying a lot of things that I'm sure are actually. True. And in episode two, it gets even worse because in episode two, characters from Trails of Cold Steel start to show up. Sure. And like, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, um, and like, the thing is, what I find interesting here is that I watched this having played two of the now 12 games in this series. <laughs> yeah. And like every single time there's something I recognize, I'm like, hey, that thing I recognize. Yes. Or that, that's, mon- that's this monster or that character mm-hmm. or they're referencing this thing. Right. And that sparks a certain kind of joy. Yes. So I can't imagine what it's like if you actually have played all of these right. games, like, and are now watching this and be like, "This that that has to be like a euphoric experience." Right. I sort of assume. I mean, right. that's that's why they, the the Trails fandom has that reputation of right. Like, mm-hmm. You need to play all the games because because it's so densely interwoven. Right. You don't. You probably don't really need to play all the games, but they're trying to share that experience yeah, of recognizing yeah. everything, which not yeah. everybody has time to do. And it's so. honestly well done. Like, yeah, it's honestly well done. But the downgrade is always that this this world building is so rich and put together, <laughs> but the characters are it's such like cliches. Basic, basic like, ass yeah, RPG. Yeah. Is this your? Right. Is this your? Um, is, is this my fate? Is it, yeah, is this your, you know, case files <laughs> of Lord Amelie II, Rails, Eppel, and Grace Note? I guess it's kind of... 
it, I guess is this your hole? Is this your trash that. can, Aqua? <laughs> the difference, the difference being <laughs> uh-huh. that Lord Elmaloy is made by UFO table, right? Yeah, and that this was, that show looks that, like garbage. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but that's okay right. because the Trails games have always mm-hmm. looked like garbage. Right. They're always like a. a I don't. I don't mean to like. Yeah. I don't mean yeah. to make the like yeah. comparison to like denigrate the show or anything. Just the no, similarity no, of just. Yes, yeah. though of the like, this is the lore explosion for the faithful fans. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, but yeah, this this show looks bad. Like, all of like the character designs are weirdly off. Mm-hmm. The CGI is terrible because like there's tanks and mechs and 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 cars and and all kinds of stuff that it's all CG'd. Uh. Like I said earlier, uh, when we were talking privately, there is a truck scene <laughs> in episode two where the main characters like d- uh, try to stop a runaway truck that is going to run over an orphanage or something. Oh no, I don't someone's going to get sent to Earth. The truck is like on par with the infamous quality van from like the meme. <laughs> That's yeah. how bad it is. And, like, there's, like, a scene where the main character is running after the van, and it's clearly, like, this very bad PS1-era, mm-hmm. like, truck model riding on an empty dirt road. And then you see, yeah. like, in the lower in the lower right corner is the girl, like, with her back turned to the camera, just bopping up and down to show that she's running after mm-hmm. it. And there's, like, some speed lines to create the illusion of movement. But it just looks like garbage. Yeah. But, like, Trails has always looked like garbage. Like, these are the games that hold up the PS2 spirit in the PS5 era. Mm-hmm. Like, right. yeah. yeah. If you are nostalgic for, like, janky-ass, long, weird, complicated JRPGs that can tell epic stories by, like, having sprites that have, like, three-stock movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, th- these are the games for you. Like... Right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it sounds like that one's the, the anime is for the fans though as well. Right. Yeah. Coming. But coming I think the, uh... I think dedicated fans will get a lot out of it. Right. Like right. It's for is them. this is this like the long lost chapter that is going to answer mysteries that have been in the fandom for years? No. <laughs> but it's like the it's like throwing them a, a nice little yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can oh, point and say, I Hey, guess. I remember that thing, right? Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Oh, speaking of hey, right, I remember well, that thing. <laughs> you know what? I I think I, I might call an audible here and maybe talk about high card first, <laughs> sure. and we'll just get that out of the way because I don't I feel like there's not really a whole lot to say about sure. high card. Um, Fair enough. And we, we will have a lot to say about the other mm-hmm. show. Um, uh, high card okay. was just this kind of out of nowhere original show. It was pretty fun. Okay. Um, the premise being that there are playing cards that give people magical powers, and it's set in anime Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Which yep. well, anime Las well, Vegas among, among others, like, yeah, like anime anime London, which is next like, to anime Las Vegas. Okay, yes, it will be. Or, or it like, starts. Yeah, yeah, it's like some sort of like modern monarchy. I guess is the implication. Yeah, it's yeah. some fantasy world. It's, like, a, it's it's not. Yeah, right. yeah, it's it's well, a mix it, of. It, it is a fantasy world with importantly mostly modern aesthetics. Yeah, 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 and um. It's it's pretty fun. The powers are kind of wacky. Right. I think for me, it was just like a little too shallow. Like there was like literally nothing 
else going on. I did, I didn't feel like. I mean, the I, thing I mean, is, we've only had one episode of this, and the second episode is usually where they put like the expo dump and explain the yeah. actual premise. And I mean, like, we know we know the main guy is like yeah. literally trying to save an orphanage, right? Yes. Uh, yes. And yeah, I mean, it, it's fun. I don't know if it's going to be anything more than right. that, but doesn't necessarily you know, in a, in a be, season. Yeah. In a season where I feel like everything else I've watched almost has been pretty dull. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. nobody's having fun. This show like, is in a season fun. like this, we'll take a show where a guy has a magic glove that turns things into marbles. And then when he turns things into marbles, other characters said, Oh my god, he turned that thing into marbles. I mean, <laughs> yes, it helps that, like, there's a bunch of, there's like fucking blood splattering from Yeah, he's like, like exploding someone's head into marbles. Or right? head yeah. used to be. Yeah. Which I guess is the thing I would say about High Card, right? Is like, it's, I mean, look, man. JoJo is very influential. Yep. Yes. Yes. And Major stand vibes from all these. So, like, you have, yes, you have a show that is explicitly, okay, there are 52 weird powers. Then you already know that the inherent appeal of the show is going to be, okay, what is the weird power of the week? And within that context, I think the thing that High Card does pull off is like, well, Okay, two of the weird powers we've seen so far seem kind of boring. One is gun, and the other <laughs> seems to be regeneration. Seems yeah, to be the implication. Like and so, yeah. the only really interesting one we've seen so far belonged to the one-off villain. Uh, who, right. Again, could Marble turn Man. people into marbles. And I think the thing that at least kept me... Kept, 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 kept me watching that episode until the end, anyways, is... Well, this has this certainly has a visual flair to it, right? Like mm-hmm. these weird powers, yeah. at least the marble one, anyways. Dude, right? He would just like grab random objects to get a handful of marbles, right? Like, yeah, and, you know, like like there's that part where like he's like just like literally running his hand against the wall or yeah. a shelf or something, mm-hmm. and just flinging marbles, and it's like okay, that like that's the kind of stuff where it's like you can do some stuff to make this a little striking. more yeah. at least visually yeah striking um i think the question of course is just like yeah like is this just a vehicle for like hot boys to go on adventures of and course. like but and i guess the question is like how much more is there to it right like, right is that going to be enough to carry 12 episodes right. or whatever yeah like at the very least will the other hot boys get weird powers because again gun and regeneration hope. are just like I mean, this like this like what like the thing that like really stuck out to me by the end of this episode is oh, is this going to be that one of those works where the heroes have the boring powers <laughs> and the villains yeah. get all the cool weird stuff? Yeah, I mean, we saw we saw well, wasn't the card one of the cards also just luck or something? Right, like, super luck, right? That belonged to super the, luck. Yeah. And then um, we saw in the intro when they I think they were stealing the cards or something, the, the bombs. Uh, she right. makes like a wall of bombs or something. Right, the lady who could like summon bombs. You'd think this is like, is this maybe the thing where the writers are like not as sure of themselves as Araki is? Because Araki is always like, okay, I can give my main character dumbass weird powers, but I will always be able to use those and twist those in a certain way that they can be used to overcome mm-hmm. the right. weird powers that the enemies have. Whereas here, maybe the writers are like, we can't come up with a power that can like be creatively applied like that because that requires certain 
talent more than just coming up with funny gimmicks, right? So it's like, let's just give him the power of gun. Like, and I mean, I mean, in JoJo, like the 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 powers in parts one through three or whatever are a lot more conventional than like we'll see later, right? But um. I do always find it funny when the hero's power is gun, but it's it's not very interesting in the long term, right? It's but, effective. Uh, it's I effective. do have to say, I am very disappointed in this show because there is a character called Lucky Lunchman. <laughs> and then at the end of the episode, we find out that the main character is called Finn Oldman. So I'm like, is every character in this show going to be called something... F- noun man oh, and it's only that <laughs> all over yeah. again Sam the high card is the kid <laughs> uh, well it, it, I, I'll, I'll, I'll keep watching it for a bit and see how it goes it's fun so yeah. in this season sure yeah, yeah sure other seasons maybe one in another but... episode or two why not yeah give it a shot <laughs> alright let's oh, finish up oh, talking baby. about Trigun Stampede Mm-hmm. Highest profile um, show this season? Question mark. Probably. What was that, Iro? Highest profile show this season? Uh, Potentially. Or is there like I, a new probably. season of some Shodan Jump show we're not watching? Right. I yeah, mean, the, the yeah, reality is like, is. maybe it's the highest profile show for like people born in the 90s. Like, sure. A yeah. certain demographic. Yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is, I think we're calling it a reimagining of. <laughs> a fair reboot. Yes, uh, yes. Trigun uh, adjectives to apply. Yeah, whether you whether you want to say it's the the manga or the the uh, original anime, it's um, it's the characters and kind of the same general idea, but a lot of things that they changed in this. But um, I would yeah. start with this is uh or- orange. It's a CG production. Um. Yeah. They are very good at what they do. <laughs> They're yes. the best, the best in the business in terms of making CG look good. In terms of anime, it is um, a well produced <laughs> show. Yeah, and I think if there were no other context or baggage to try, <laughs> on, and this was just the show I was watching, and I. And it, I didn't even really watch Trigun. I've, I've, I just, I know a couple things. I've seen a couple episodes, but even I was like, "Wow, they, they're going, they're going this way, huh?" But I, I think if you took the context out, it was pretty good. It, but it, if you are familiar with Trigun, right, there are some controversial <laughs> changes, <laughs> to say the least. If this show um, had been called like By Gun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I would be like, "Yo, actually, this is like the hottest show of uh, of, of the season." Damn. Yeah. But they called a... it Trigun. Mm-hmm. This, this is the tricky part with adaptations because you know if yeah. you just remake just, yeah. the thing, uh-huh. like we were saying in Near, like what's the point? Yeah. Read my whole post about adaptations. Yes, uh-huh. I, I, yes. <laughs> a, for his year-end post, wrote a very good post about the tricky things with adaptations. But like, how far do you go with? You know, you don't want to just recreate the thing, but if you change it too much, are you losing the, you know, the spirit or the the strengths of the original work? I think, like, I mean, I don't know. Do you you want me to like let just do? do, Am I allowed to just get into it now? Or yeah, let let, let's just get into 
Sure. Or, or, I don't know. No, or I, I, I think what person, Eero's getting at. Right. Should, should we let Eero start as the, as the person who is not familiar with the source material? Right. Okay. I mean, I watched the anime, the old anime, you know, sure. a long time ago, and I was like, yeah, it was fun. It was good. I had a good time. And, uh, like, you know, did not read the manga. I knew that the manga was is a long runner. It's like a seminal work, you know, but I never bothered to sit down and read it. And so, like, my perspective of this is sort of like, oh, yeah, it's Dragon. You know, it's different. It's different. And I'm curious to see where they go with it. Right? Like, I don't have a lot of investment in Trigun as a series, right? Uh, like, a lot of people my age, like, call like one of their favorites and such. And I do not have that. I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's Trigun. It's yeah, I mean, desert western. It looks a little, it looks different, you know? Like, they, but on the whole, I'm sort of like, yeah, I'm having a good time. And I think that's totally fair. Like, I, I, would, I do want to be clear. I think that, like, taken as it is, this show is well right. made. It's, 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 you know, the characters are very expressive, which is very nice for a CG production. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I know I just keep saying it's well made. It's because I can't right. bring myself to say I like the characters or story, but it is right. a yeah. well made, li- it, it is a likable show. Okay, that's what I can do. Okay, it is a mm-hmm. likable show. The characters are. <laughs> Memorable and mm-hmm. uh, thing is like G- there's to- there's G- totally G- other things where I would be in exactly in your position, right? Like, G- yeah. G- let's get let's get to the crimes that they committed. Uh huh. Right, look, Trigun is like literally, Trigun is literally Hortis one of my favorite session. manga of all time. All right, <laughs> like like this, there's no way around it. Trigun is like one of the manga for me. Uh, it is. Im- this uh-huh. story has influenced so much of how I approach like art and aesthetic personally. Mm-hmm. It cannot be overstated. <laughs> Look at how they massacred your boy. Uh, I think so. I think my issue with Trigun, like, it kind of comes from multiple fronts, and I do want to be clear. I, I think that like it is totally valid to to come from the perspective that Eero is of like just enjoying the show on its own terms. I, I in fact I, I hope people do like it. I because look again, I think as a creator, I do think it is cool that Yasuhiro Naito is allowed to play with his toys 30 years later like this. Like very few creators have the privilege to do something um like mm-hmm. this with a story they've made for so long. And so in that sense I respect it a lot. I think my issue with like Trigun Stampede is 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 multifaceted. Um, I think the most obvious, of course, is just like the aesthetic, right? Like it's CG, and I totally understand that's going to look different. But like mm-hmm. for me, so much of Trigun's appeal was it's like sketchy, gritty '90s manga art style. You know, the 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 thick outlines, and you know the the just sort of the not edgy but i guess edgy is probably sort of the word you use to describe 90s manga of this era Mm -hmm. that vibe you know and i think for better or worse right because it's cg it's just a little too clean right it's a little too clinical in in its its portrayal of the trigun world right like yeah. Like, yes, it's, it's a desert planet yes he's a gunslinger yes here's some like cyborg bondage weirdos but yeah, it it's it, kind of um it's kind of similar to a much lesser extent to what to what we saw with Chainsaw Man last season. I felt like where right. <laughs> it was like this like too perfect <laughs> a, little, a little bit, but 
Yeah, I think I, I but I, I don't, but at least this show's having fun, but we, we can't get into that. That is true. Uh, yes. Yes. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's that. And just for, I'll, I'll throw in my perspective, which is, I never watched the original Trigun anime in full. I saw some of it that I would catch when it was on like Adult Swim at like rerunning at like three in the morning or something. So, <laughs> right. the original but, anime was also like not quite a direct adaptation, right? It was because, not. Be, because it had to end in 24 episodes or whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, which is, so that's kind of my frame of reference for Trigun. I feel like it, I, you know, even though I didn't watch the whole thing, I had a general idea for like the tone and the look and everything from the, the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of the choices to like change Meryl and remove Millie. Where the fuck is Millie? Yeah. Bad. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I mean, I, I could, yes. I, I, I plan to get into my issues with the story next. I, I was mostly okay. just focused on visually how I feel it's it's doing as an adaptation. And, but I, and but even I do agree. the, even like kind of the, the more subtle changes to Vash himself, I think, where I feel like he's, so, yeah, I mean, you, you can get into that stuff, G, but just, I, that, that was kind of hitting me more than the aesthetics because I, yeah, I mean it's very different, but I still think it looks nice. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have the same frame of reference with as you do on it. But yeah, I'm also just going to be a sucker just in general for like that late '90s kind of look anyway. But, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 irreplaceable. I, I think I think that's more subjective. Than uh, of course, yes. Why did you just pull this character out? <laughs> right. No, totally. I mean, again, it's it's that it's the thing of like. Yeah, like, I, I guess the reason why I, I harp on the visuals, even though I do think they are well-made, is because I think so much of Trigun's identity is wrapped up in those visuals, in that aesthetic. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Trigun looks like that because it is a product of the 90s. Yeah. And to expect I guess you can sell me. Like that, you can sell me on that easier than, like, uh, actually changing, for sure. you know, characters and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but I do think... If, I think if it was just the visuals, but like the tone of the show was true to like what I know of as, as Trigun, I think I would, I would still be pretty positive on, on it as a whole as a different interpretation. I think where I like start to get a little worried is like some of the narrative choices they've made. Like yes, for example, not having Millie and replacing with like I mean, look, the the drunk reporter senpai guy is fine. Like he's not like terrible or anything, but also mm-hmm. like. He is just kind of a very familiar archetype and not one I necessarily felt was like yeah. key to Trigun. Like I feel like half the appeal of like the Meryl and Millie combo is that is that Meryl is the one who is the ball buster and Millie is the naive nice one. Right. Like right. and so to make Meryl the sort of naive newbie character, like it kind of just doesn't sit right with me. Like, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. she is the character who would bust out, like, you know, her coat full of Derringer pistols, right? Like, yeah, I don't even know if she has a gun in this new anime. I, but, I uh, did not get the impression she does, but we don't know yet, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, but I, I think my bigger issue is sort of with how they've decided to approach the mystery of Trigun. Like, yeah. Look, believe me, I'm not I'm not out here to, to be like to make some claim that, oh, actually, Trigun has this like really, you know, deep, nuanced story. That's that's not what I'm about to get into here. But I think a lot of Trigun's appeal is sort of the way it slowly doled out the mystery of the setting. Like, of like, why are we all on this shitty desert planet? Where, yeah, like, where are we? What are plants? 
who is Vash? Mm-hmm. Who is Knives? Like, like what is right? What is the July incident? Like mm-hmm. these are things that are sort of like, sort of like, you know, to like, the narrative of the original. Like. Yeah, and drip fed to you as like you know as sort of bait as a trail of crumbs mm-hmm. to follow along the like wackadoo like gunslinging adventures. Right? Is like you know on one hand, yeah, like Vash is like oh he doesn't want to like get in trouble and he's trying to like get away from these guys shooting him. But also someone says the word knives and suddenly the next panel serious is Vash time. looking yeah. more serious than he has ever looked in the story. Right. right? Yeah. Like, and then this this show is almost yes. like operating on assuming you know all that already and so just kind right. of dumps it all at the beginning. Puts it all out there, right? Yeah. Like this is knives, he's Vash's brother. This is the planet No Man's Land slash Gunsmoke. They came from these seed ships. This is who Rem is. Like there's all this stuff that like I, I guess it just I, I feel like I liked it a lot and, and this is it. Again, right, different work, different pacing, different approach, of course. But it's just like some of that, so much of that stuff is what I liked about the original Trigun that gave it its like gritty, dusty, melancholic feel amidst the like high energy action of it is right. Like, who is this man? Like, why is his bounty so high? Why are people after him? Like, why do so many people want him dead? And like, I feel like Stampede's decision to like lay out all of these cards in its first and second episode like this, then sort of leaves me the place of like, well, what else, what left do you have to show then at this point? Right. And I guess it is like, I guess you make a decision of this is a thing that came out 30 years ago or whatever. That's already all already out there, but I don't know. It's like, if, if I feel like if yeah. you were trying to, you know, remake things and tar- target people who haven't mm-hmm. s- seen any of the original works. It would make sense to stick with the original plan, but right, it's like what where what is left for the like narrative progression of the show if we just know that Vash is going to fight Knives at the end because Knives is right here, right, <laughs> right. And there's no, that, and there's not really a whole lot of there's not really a whole lot of mystery to Vash himself at this point. I think that's right. part of what she was saying. Right? Oh, yeah, like, that's that's a. Uh, really good point yeah that i hadn't necessarily considered right right i mean again i i know I, i'm trying to i know i know i'm sounding like that guy who's like actually this weekly shonen jump manga is really deep if you think about it like, i know <laughs> i'm sounding like that guy like i but i also do think that like i do want to push back slightly against the like casting of trigun as pure action pulp like yeah mm-hmm. It is that a lot. It is a lot of that. I will never deny that is true. There's a lot of, but there's a lot of like interrogating Vash's philosophy, right? Right. Like, like he is a pacifist. Why is he a pacifist? And how far will the world push him? Like, will push against those ideals, right? And it's like that. That's the kind of stuff that like. Like, I remember the big moments. I, I remember the fights and the action, of course. But like the things that really stick with me about Trigun years later is like. You know, it's stuff that I hope the anim- I hope this new anime will do as well of like when Wolf would like angrily, hatefully interrogates Vash's philosophy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the stuff like that that I think is what give gave Trigun a surprising amount of weight to its like action pulp adventures. And yeah. I I, I guess what I'm saying is I I really do hope that Stampede 
um, does get into that stuff. And I hope it does it well, because I think a lot of that stuff is just as core to Trigun's identity as the gunslinging. And yeah, so, gee, just to be clear, like, when you're, when you're, I mean, obviously you're a fan of the previous works, so are we talking about the manga and the anime and everything, or specifically the manga, or what are we... I would actually primarily say the manga. Like, okay. I... It, like, the anime is how I was exposed to Trigun, but I'll be totally honest. I kind of see the original Trigun as also a quaint Lacking. interpretation of the story. Yeah. Like, it is okay. interesting. It's very compressed, you, right. And you can see a lot of the themes in the manga in the first anime. But for me, it's... It's kind manga. of like... If I remember the anime, is like, like really goofy though right like it sort of has all the goofy stuff like front-loaded and then gets very it gets all serious at the end very like i said i've only seen bits and pieces of it so like yeah and i think the reason why i like the manga the most of these three interpretations is because i think the manga is the one that sort of evenly doles out this the Mm -hmm. balance of trigun's tone the best like yeah like er, like the trigun manga knows how to deal in both pathos and comedy uh in, in in what i would say is a more balanced measure than either of its adaptations yeah i i feel like if the the first anime is kind of more goofy or whatever this one feels like it's setting up some kind of like big grand adventure or something and i don't know if that's necessarily the right way to go either but it's i don't know yeah, it, it's kind of got like this 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 big, almost. Uh, I I feel like we're overusing the term cinematic, but like hmm. I mean, you know, opening and ending this, are real uh, Western versus television looking. I yeah. wasn't gonna say it because I don't want to like color this adaptation like this, hmm. even though it gives me ammunition. Whoa! But you said cinematic, so I will <gasps> now say that there is an interview with like the production staff. Of <laughs> oh, here we go again. Oh no! They directly. Okay. They directly cited the MCU as a big influence oh, yeah. on how they want it. to adapt Trigun Stampede. I could see it. Yep, I so, could definitely felt that. Um, uh, definitely, modern media is 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 weighing in the minds of the production staff of Stampede. I mean, even just going back to how they changed uh, Merrill and stuff like that, that all seems to fit. Like, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, the yeah. last well, thing I'll, I'll say. The last thing I'll say, just purely, just uh, you know, as a fanboy. The new opening sucks. Like, sorry, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, the original Trigun anime OP is so fucking good. <laughs> like, yeah. it might actually be one of the best OPs out of the 90s. And the new OP is, I think, as Iro and I have started to term it, it is the most um, prestige television. Right. Like, <laughs> yes. Swirling face stream- me nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, streaming intro that I Absolutely. think we've seen it a bit. Well, all right, it's yeah, yeah. Again, that, I, that, I I personally intro, I know it's on Crunchyroll. Every time I say intro, I'm like, is this Netflix? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it doesn't feel like an anime op, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. I mean, I do feel, and like I said, again, to a much lesser extent, because I, I I'm kind of coming from a similar perspective, I guess gets me similar vibe feelings to chainsaw man it's it's a different from a different direction and feel and like, everything but vector, just the whole yeah. we're making this into a movie again are, aren't we huh um well yeah anyway but yeah 
still, it's still, it's still good though. Still good. Yes, still, and, and to be clear, like it's almost a little unfair to compare it to Chainsaw Man because I think that like even if Trigun Stampede is doing something more quote unquote cinematic, I think it's, it's clearly still, still having it's still a lot of fun. Closer to the yes, the heart of what the material is, right? Yeah. Most certainly. So. That yeah yes yeah, so that's probably maybe that's not totally <sighs> that's why I'm trying to say it's a little much lesser degree but let's just maybe we should just retire that comparison at this point um okay all right okay <laughs> I think we finally made it <laughs> limping across the finish line here uh, we're still here Aka, not, still we're, not, we're not dead yet like two and an half hours <laughs> we're not uh, dead yet look maybe you guys hadn't ranted for 15 minutes about isekai or or uh, <laughs> no it had to be said. Yeah, that was important. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to end it there. I mean, the people crave long-form content. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> you guys get an extra hour this week because we who knows what we're going to talk about next As time. Get an extra hour in the ball pit? Oof. Uh, actually, I do get that joke. No, let's uh, move on. Sadly, Aqua. <laughs> um, all right housekeeping check us out at the gloryoblog.com read all of our first looks about these shows and many more which are all bad if they're not on this but list. Unfortunately, but. Not that <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. We didn't get to Vinland Saga because we knew oh. this podcast was going to go long. That show's not bad. It's fine. All right. Uh, did it. we actually get a post up for no, that No, I didn't I make remember. a post no, because I was like, it's yeah. a season two. It's yeah. two. Yeah, we don't so, post for Yeah, we'll talk about two. that next time. So that's, that's a good show. Um, and uh, you can still follow us on Twitter at the Glorio blog, on co-host at Glorio. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and of course YouTube, where you can like, comment, subscribe, ring that notification bell. Tell us what you're watching. Uh, uh, maybe you found something good that we didn't. I yeah, don't you know. know what? Yeah, tell me how, why I'm wrong about Isakai and why it's great, actually. Bring it on. I, I don't. I don't. I feel like the, the listeners that we have at this point would not. You're probably right, but like that. those people are absolutely out there. I've seen them. Yeah, so. Anyway, uh, that does it for this episode. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. We'll catch you over next time. <laughs>